Hello and welcome to episode three of the Exploding Rabbit podcast. Uh, I'm Matt Geyer and I'm here with Jay Pavlina. Oh my gosh, that was so Very, epic. Yeah, could be Metal Gear Solid, maybe? I don't know. Oh, Solid Snake. <laughs> On this episode, we're going to cover cryptocurrency, its ins and outs, its bads and goods. We're going to talk a little bit about electronics and FPGAs. Yeah, and pretty sure nobody knows what those are, but we're going to... Hopefully you'll learn. We'll tell you. Or Matt will, because I don't know what they are either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll 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 talk about it. Uh, Then we're going to talk about the state of Exploding Rabbit and a little bit of what we've been playing recently. So why don't you join us? A lot of stuff. uh, Not as much focus on games this podcast. Hopefully, And everyone has shut the podcast off. Oh, yeah. If you don't like uh, stuff that's not related to games, turn it off. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be a fun episode. Yeah, so people should know that Matt is going to be editing this episode. So if it's way worse. Oh, it will be. (laughs) Expect it. Yeah, so editing takes a long time, so we're we're trying to figure out ways to like make it take less time and Yeah, cuz this this podcast like it's not just the editing, but we this uh schedule, we've stretched this out longer than the previous two. We've both been really busy, which we're going to get into. Um, but I think we're both wanting to figure out a way to do this faster so we can record more yeah. frequently and put it out there. Yeah, I mean, it actually took it was actually the editing was the reason I didn't want to do it right away. But if we're just recording with minimal editing, then I'm fine with doing it monthly. Yeah, that's like every podcast, it seems these days. Like, unless that's their whole job. I mean, people people have some really raunchy audio that gets oh, on the yeah. internet. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, most people don't really care about quality. I probably care too much about it in most cases. Um, sometimes that's a good thing and sometimes it's a bad thing. <laughs> For this, we are re- we want to hit the good enough bar. Yeah, the, it's a balance. You always got to find the balance. Absolutely. So now that we're here, we've introduced ourselves. Uh, what do you want to talk about? What's the what's been uh, occupying your time recently? Well, my story is very long. So is there anything that's going on with you that you want to talk about first or uh, anything interesting happened to you um, since last time? Yeah. So I guess a little something. So the, the place that I work at, um, I am now the most senior developer on the team. Oh, nice. Th- yeah, that was by the fact that I've been there longer. Like, that's all. <laughs> there's nothing like I wasn't promoted or anything. It's just like somebody who was there left. Oh, so, so you, now. <clears throat> so do you mostly have young people there then? Yeah, it's all pretty young. Uh, oh, surprisingly, cool. there's not, even when we put jobs up, there's not a large amount of people that apply that are not younger because the pay isn't great. So I don't think we attract a lot of um, like more senior developers. All those people can go get, you know, probably like twice or three times uh, the salary somewhere else. Uh, and so it's always like kids getting out of school or something like that, which is okay. It's just like what we have to deal with. Yeah. It's, I mean, did you get a raise now that you're the senior developer? No, because it's not even a position <laughs> change. It's just uh, I've been there longer. Therefore, I am like, oh, I have so more institutional knowledge than everybody else there now. So it doesn't really mean anything. They just doesn't make mean- you, just makes you feel special. Yeah, it just makes me feel like I've been there a long time now. <laughs> 
that's that's really about it uh i mean it is it comes with like an a change in the workplace now because uh one of the things was i think we were way too reliant on the not i think i know we were way too reliant on the person that just left uh so they took Uh. up a lot of like menial tiny tasks that we took for granted that he just did like without us even realizing it so now we are having to deal with the fallout of that uh which is going to make us better as a dev team in the long run i'd like to see some more systemic changes in how we work as a team but uh yeah so it's it's been a change it's been more work some places and other places it's not as changed as i thought it'd be so yeah um you're gonna edit this part out. i have to turn off my notifications because they're really annoying me no I'll this is going off. in this is gold <laughs> <laughs> all right i think i'm good now um i mean have you ever told people what it is that you do i don't know if i mean i can i don't know why i'm so cagey about it i don't really care like if people know where i, I work at a university and i do um web application development so uh i work at a business school and all our stuff is like tailored to the school's business processes mostly so all the menial tasks that usually like people have to spend a bunch of time doing and like a ton of different spreadsheets we end up creating products that help um ease that and it it tends to get some of our stuff tends to get popular and then the university as a whole picks it up and it goes like elsewhere within the university so 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 who's using your products is it the students uh, depends. Depends on who is the focus. We have products that are student facing. We have products that are like just business process, like people in a business office, like taking care of, you know, hours and uh, payroll and stuff like that, or HR. We have a bunch of different stuff that um, ends up getting used. And it's surprisingly like, this is what I'm, when I hear people talk about like, oh, jobs getting automated or like things are going to run out. Like there's so many things in computing that haven't been done yet. Like it's an endless supply of things that can be easier like if someone sat down and wrote the piece of software and there's there's no end to that yeah i mean that's kind of the same way i was thinking when i was uh we talked about the level editor um just well the general purpose game development editor that i was working on and that's the same idea like there's pretty much always a way to do something better or to do it in a way that it hasn't been done before right and it's all about that balance of like how much time do we want to invest to build something even though it will probably save time in the long run versus like we need to get this thing done now and if that means that we have to spend a little bit more time on it then we'll do that yeah yeah because the stuff i mean this episode is going to be a little bit different um because a lot of different stuff happened to me between <laughs> the yeah. this episode and the last one so um uh what the work you do is going to be relevant um and i guess we can get to that once my story <laughs> ca- catches up to the present i mean i'm gonna gonna oh, tell um it. yeah i also had something cool happen to me not oh, work related no. definitely fell off my bike and busted my face that was fun oh man your face <laughs> looks good oh uh, yeah it's been like a week of healing <laughs> Uh, but like, so I hit a curb and like flipped over my handlebars and like my face acted as a stopping mechanism for the rest of my body. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, look like Andrew WK, like at riding home. It was terrible. Okay. I don't know who that is, but. Oh, okay. Well, he has an album cover where like his whole face is like uh, bloody. Okay. Yeah. If it makes you feel any better, I, the same thing happened to me, but not, not recently. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know the pain just in the past. <laughs> yeah. Actually, if we're telling bike accident stories, um I guess that's where we are now. I'm going to I'm going to tell one cuz this is kind of crazy. Yeah, go for it. Um so this was uh maybe like I don't know, 5 or 6 years ago. <clears throat> 
when I was uh, in, living in California. And it was around the time that I first met Iggy, who I'm now married to. Mm-hmm. Um, and we lived in kind of a, a bike town where everyone got around with bikes and neither of us had cars. So we would use our bikes to, you know, go everywhere. Sure. And uh, I remember one time we went, like we just went to a grocery store and we were on our way back. And <laughs> so there's a bike lane. And, you know, we were riding next to each other in the bike lane. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, next to a road. So, we're on a road, but we're in the bike yeah. lane, riding side by side. And this was pretty early after we had met each other. Um, I don't know, maybe a few weeks or something. And so, you know, we're riding in the bike lane. Um, and then she, like, turns to me. And I don't remember exactly what she said, but she she's like you know, Jay, I really have feelings for you. I think I'm falling in love with you. So, something to that mm-hmm. uh, effect. And <laughs> I was like, kind of like, I mean, I was like happy and I was kind of like stunned. And so I was just, I was just staring at her. <laughs> and so, I'm, but I'm riding my bike in the bike lane. And I, you know, when you hear something that you don't really expect, your, <laughs> your mind just kind of shuts off. And so I was just staring at her, like kind of in shock. I don't even know for how long, like, it's not like I remember, like, time kind of stops, that kind of thing. And then I crashed, and I was like, what the? So, it turns out there was an old lady in a wheelchair. Oh, my God. And I I crashed into an old lady in a wheelchair. Wow. (laughs) Because Iggy told me that she loved me. Wow, that story took a turn that I did not expect with the old lady. She, she was fine. That's good. Like, we were all, like, laughing and stuff. But, I mean, it was a... she Like, she was going the same way. Mm-hmm. Like, because we were on the sides. We were all we were all moving in the same direction. But she was obviously moving a lot slower because she's in a wheelchair. And I just had, like, just a straight-on collision into her wheelchair. <laughs> and I, like, fell off the bike. Like, it was a really strong impact. Jeez. Um, I'm not sure which impact was stronger, Iggy telling me her feelings or hitting the wheelchair. That's like... <laughs> That's like rom-com <laughs> levels of like... Yeah, I know. I that know. is exactly like you script that. No, but yeah, but that really happened. And, um, <clears throat> you know, we, nobody was hurt. We, we were like, are you okay? And she was asking me if I was okay. And I felt like an idiot. I would feel like an idiot too. <laughs> like, how do you run into a slow-moving object? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'd feel like a like a complete yeah, peel. I just felt like an idiot. So like yeah. I just got on my bike and you know got out of there, and I was like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, but it worked out. Now you're married. Yeah, probably that old lady's still alive. Probably yeah. I mean yeah, she wasn't that old. She was just like you know handicapped or something. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty probably, funny. That's probably the craziest bike story that I have. I'm hoping this is the craziest bike story I have. I don't really enjoy falling off, so I like to keep that to a minimum. Yeah, I mean, like, how many bike crashes do you think you've had in your lifetime? In my life, probably quite a few. Um, yeah. Like, I'm okay at riding a bike. It's not like I'm... But I, I think I'm overconfident, like, and I'm reckless, so that's where... Yeah. That's where the trouble is. Yeah, I've had, I've had a few bad ones. I remember another time I ran into a mailbox... And it hit me in the chest. Oh. And it had like a little spike coming out that the newspaper would hang on. And that like little spike hit me right in the chest. It wasn't like, oh. a, like I remember it was, I was bleeding because it like impaled me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but it wasn't, it wasn't like deep though. Like I was like impaled. You didn't have like a lung puncture or anything? No. Like, you know, I got, I got ribs. So my ribs protected me. But, <laughs> I, but I was, I was like impaled by a mailbox. 
Um, so I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe I'm not so good at riding a bike. I seem to be having <laughs> a lot of head-on collisions. <laughs> it's just that humans, it's a mirac- We were talking about, uh, me and my, my friend Tim were talking about, like, how it's miraculous that uh, kids survive childhood. Like, thinking back to, yeah. like, all the dumb stuff I did as a kid. Like, how? Like, it seems like I should be a crumpled pile. Yeah, just one really quick short example of that. Just an idea of, like, how dumb kids can be and we don't think about anything. Like, I remember I was just, like, walking in a creek you know, without my shoes on. And like, I stepped on a, a crayfish. Yeah. Or I was, I was going to step on it. Not on purpose. I was just walking. But then it like pinched me. It pinched the bottom of my foot and it hurt so bad. And my <laughs> skin like turned brown and like fell off. Like that's oh, how tight. Man. That's how hard it pinched me. Like stay away from those things, man. Yeah. I don't plan on walking in any creeks with a crayfish. Yeah. Cause that does not sound like fun. Yeah. We walked into the creek for like an hour. And I remember at one point I was like, ah, my foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah kids are dumb kids are dumb yeah we should probably get back to yeah let's you know. <laughs> i mean that was an interesting tangent though yeah well, we can steer back on course so yeah. that's what i've been up to what have you been up to yeah so this is gonna be a long story so i will take a sip of water are you doing a spit take <laughs> we would have to set something up for that yeah yeah <laughs> <clears throat> Okay, so uh, just as like a human and like the things that um, like I've never really been very good at balancing, I don't know, just in general, like parts of my life and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I know that all too well. Do you mean with me or with you also? No, with me personally. (laughs) I was not a comment on you. Okay. Um, So I kind of discovered cryptocurrency. I mean, I. I mean, I've heard of cryptocurrency before. I mean, I'm sure everyone has, but I never really like investigated it that deeply. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was upgrading my Hackintosh um, because Apple released an update that would allow me to use a more modern graphics card. Um, yeah, finally. <clears throat> yeah, for people that don't know, like a Hackintosh is it's it's a computer that you build yourself, but it, it can run Mac OS. Yeah, ever so, since Intel started supporting Intel CPUs, like it was possible to use like off the shelf hardware to to get it done. Yeah, and it saves a lot of money. Like I've been using Hackintoshes for uh about yeah, about ten years almost. Not not the whole time, but throughout ten years I've been kind of using them. And <clears throat> So, yeah, you have to use the hardware that's compatible with it. You can't use the most recent hardware, which is annoying, but I don't know. I really like Mac OS. I like Apple's software. I still, honestly, I still have a hard time understanding why Windows isn't better than it is. Like, I like, I, I get you. I, I have uh, a Mac laptop, and but I mainly use Windows machines. I've always been mostly a Windows guy, but I do prefer Mac OS. If it wasn't like my full-time job using Windows software, yeah. I would probably I mean, be on like, Mac all the time. It's like, why not, like, just, cop, just copy Mac OS. It's like, yeah. I mean, there, maybe there's, uh, I don't know, patents or something that's preventing that, but come on. <laughs> like, I mean, Windows 10 is by far in my, I know people are going to be like, no, Windows 7 is the better one. I think Windows 10 is their best one by far, and they do keep improving it to be better yeah. and better. The issue I have, and I don't know, I don't know if other people like think about this, but like um, I use a touchpad for my mouse, you know, because I have like, I've had like carpal tunnel in the past. And when you're on the computer all the time, you just, you want to have like minimal, I don't know, wrist pain or just like 
So I use this. Bending your wrist. Yeah, okay. He's holding up a uh, uh, trackpad. Tra- track or trackball, sorry. Trackball, yeah. <clears throat> and like Apple has this thing called the magic trackpad. And it's like, it's awesome. It like, it works just the way you expect it to work. You feel, you, you can really easily like move things around or do anything. And I just get mad when I switch into Windows because like I, uh, I just don't have the same control. Like I, I have to use like a, a mouse, like a plug-in regular mouse. Um, I can never find any standalone touch pad that just can make me feel like I'm like when I'm using a Mac I feel like I'm like in the computer almost like I feel like I have direct control and I can really easily manipulate things and so for me with Windows it's that the hardware doesn't work with the software yeah maybe maybe if you buy a Windows 10 laptop maybe the trackpad that's built in there is really good but I cannot find I can't find like a track uh, a touchpad that I can buy that like works really well and that's that's why I have a a Mac laptop uh, aside from the fact that I like yeah. the OS better like the trackpad is so much yeah. better than anything else out there. Yeah, it's so good. Like you can click anywhere. Like yeah. you, you and you, it's got that force touch or whatever they renamed it to, 3D Haptic touch or feedback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it doesn't even click. It's got hap- so I don't know, for me Tap Taptic the, Engine. That's what it's called. Yeah. Like, what is that called? It's not user interface. I don't know, just the way the user interacts with the <laughs> human interface device. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. H I D. Yeah. Yep. So Windows needs better human interface devices. I feel yeah. like I took way too long to explain that, but like, I'm really frustrated about that, especially because I will have to be using Windows. That's a little taste for where the story is going. I've had to use it before. It's just, anyway, let's get, yeah, let's get back. So you're upgrading your Hackintosh. Jeez. That's all I got. Yeah. Then we went into the Windows Mac thing. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast is going to take forever. I'm editing it. It's going to be five minutes and it's just going to (laughs) be, Well, I'm like tired. I'm like tired. So I wanted to like stop early, but probably probably not going to happen. Okay. So, so I bought this or I found out that they have this new graphics card that's compatible. That's a modern graphics card. So I was like, awesome. And when I was reading about the card, people were talking about, uh, well, the card is an RX 580, by the way. Um, it's the same card I have. I thought you said you had 480 It's a 480. The 580 is just like better it's chip basically, design. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What company is that? It's AMD, AMD. right? Yeah. So, <clears throat> and then when I was like researching getting one, everyone was talking about mining. They're like, man, this card is like hard to get because of all the miners. <laughs> And uh, it's not, it sounds it still sounds weird to me talking about mining because I always think about like because it's with not a, actually what it's doing. <laughs> yeah, it just makes me think about someone with a pickaxe. Like, yeah, and I think that's what they were going for, like in the description of cryptocurrency, is like because like mining for gold is tough, so like that's what you're doing. Yeah, and it kind of gives you the image of like the people. I don't know, putting in effort and doing it themselves and stuff. But it's also like a complete misnomer of what it's actually trying yeah, to do. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It, yeah, it's totally not. But anyway, so um, I I didn't really know a lot about what mining was. I mean, you've talked about it a little bit, but I never even. I, I mean, again, like I've heard of it. I watched the John Oliver cryptocurrency video. Mm-hmm. So like I felt like I had some basic knowledge, but. Everybody's talking about mining with this card, and they were like, oh, we can finally get this card because the mining craze is dying down. And then I'm I'm kind of cheap. You know, I'm always trying to save money where I can. Um, and I was reading in, like, the Amazon comments. They're like, you can, like, you can, <laughs> sorry, 
this card will pay for itself if you mine with it. And I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. So I, I was getting the card anyway. Um, so I, so I ordered it and I like set it up and I started like investigating mining a little bit. And then I like sort of got sucked into this like deep, <laughs> this like deep world. Sort of how we talked about last episode, the exploding rabbit hole. Yes. This was a crypto rabbit hole, I guess. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I just like kept going deeper and deeper into cryptocurrency because I was also um, I'm always looking for ways to make money because I haven't made much money from my game development for a while. So I'm always trying to look for ways to like make money while I do the game development because you need uh, otherwise you can't do it. (laughs) It's very hard to do it without any sort of structure. Yeah. So you want to try to have some kind of passive income. And I thought cryptocurrency seems like possibly a way to get passive income, um, especially mining. So, yeah, so I was just like, I mean, do we want to tell people what mining is? I mean, just like a quick overview. It's just like it's solving math equations that get harder and harder uh, because you're evaluating things on a a ledger, basically a big public ledger. And the first person to do it gets paid a little bit of money. Yeah. So like really what you're doing, like you're actually you're actually kind of working for the um, the project like the currency that you're, yeah. that you're mining, like you're sort of working for them because they need people to be mining. Otherwise, the cryptocurrency won't work because, yeah, you're, you're like validating transactions or right. each coin is different, but that's what a lot of them are doing. Um, and so, yeah, you're actually, the way I think is more accurate is like you're kind of working for them and then they pay you. Instead like, of, yeah, instead of there being like a central server farm somewhere, it's everybody's doing a little bit of that work and that is the, the compute power. Yeah. So, and, and yeah, you're right that like the one person that finds it is the only one that gets paid, but most people use pools. So it's a group, it's a group of people. And then your payment is like consistent. So it, it really just feels like you're like getting paid to help out with the project is what I think is a lot more accurate. Um, but yeah, like I was like, well, I can make some passive income. And so then I, (laughs) I don't know. I like I got a few of the graphics cards uh, that I got a good deal on. And so then I had those gone and I was like spending like researching like all the best coins to mine. There's like so it's such a deep topic. Like there's so much to it. And also the mining landscape is just about to change. I was telling you a little bit about that, how there's FPGAs coming out, which um, are way more powerful than the graphics cards, but they cost a lot more. Yeah, it's very strange to me because when I I did my degree in uh, computer engineering, and so we did FPGA work, but they were always so much slower than like an need, ASIC chip. Yeah, you need to tell people what an FPGA is. So it's, uh, it stands for Field Programmable Gate Array. And basically when you do like circuit design, if you took like individual discrete components and put them on a circuit board, like it'd take forever and then you'd have to wire it up by hand and then it would take like a really long time to change any of the bits of the circuit. If you have like how you write software, you can write hardware in a language called an HDL, hardware description language. Uh, the big popular ones are Verilog, System Verilog and VHDL. And so these FPGAs, you write, you describe your circuit using these description languages, and then you program this chip that will take them, and then it will act like whatever logic you put into it. So if you made a CPU, you can make a CPU on an FPGA, and then it acts like a CPU with the instructions that you have described uh, the hardware to be. Or you can make signal processor, uh, or like whatever, a logic thing that does a certain function really fast. 
Um, but they are reprogrammable. So if you put them in a device or you are just like a an indie hardware dev that doesn't have the money to make their own uh, like ASIC chip. An ASIC chip is basically you design this hardware and then they manufacture it and they're usually large quantities. They're much faster, but the upfront cost is way larger. And if you screw up, like you're out of a ton of money. So like the CPUs that you buy and put in your computer or that are in things like those are ASIC chips. Uh, they're mass produced, they're very expensive, they're very fast. Um, but for like, if you're just trying to do some like hardware um, like hacking or stuff like that or you're just doing like maker stuff like you can buy PJs and can you give an example of like what someone would use one for a, like a developer sure um, so there was actually I was listening to a podcast recently and they gave a good example because there's this guy that if people are interested in FPGAs uh, tiny FPGA it's actually a really affordable tiny dev board uh, usually they're kind of expensive uh, when you get those so this guy has custom made like a tiny one and he was talking about uh, you want to make a custom microcontroller so you have like Arduinos they're cheap they're prevalent but if you wanted to make your own that has certain functions or more IO like you you could design your own microcontroller in software and then program that program that on an FPGA and therefore like you can have a design that is specific to you or you can pair them so like if you have a microcontroller and you have some sort of thing that you need done he for his example he used like a sensor because waking up the microcontroller is really energy intensive you can have this sensor collect data from like like say a temperature sensor somewhere out in the field like this FPGA that you program wakes up collects that data and then this the microcontroller turns on like maybe once an hour or once every 15 minutes collects that data from the FPGA, but that FPGA is much lower power requirement. So it can collect data from the sensor and therefore your overall energy consumption goes down instead of having the microcontroller do everything. Um, Is the Arduino the microcontroller? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And... Just really quick. Sure. So what, so what would you say is the difference between... Well, I'm trying to make it so like people that don't know anything know what we're talking yeah, no, about. No, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't, don't know, know what people don't know. So like it's, it's better for you to ask me questions. Yeah, I don't know a whole lot about these types of things. But like <clears throat> an Arduino is like a little tiny like chip, right? It's like a little board with like some things on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, essentially what Arduino did that opened up the electronic space for people is like they took a very common microcontroller from Atmega. I think that's Atmel. I, I don't remember the name of the company, but they took this really common microcontroller and then they made this development board out of it. So they, they included like a bunch of like pin headers and think like a USB interface and bootloader. So and then they designed some software that was really easy to use. So instead of you having to get this microcontroller and like all the software and hardware that it takes to program it and then design your own dev board, like you can buy this $30 device and it will basically you can program using C and it will like drive your hardware so that that barrier to entry like was completely obliterated and people adopted it like crazy. So an example usage of an, a microcontroller would be to make a smart home, right? You could make a, like it's essentially like controlling things in the physical world because it's it's, so it's like it's like bridging the gap between like yeah, the virtual world, like your computer and the physical world. Yeah, because like when you have a CPU, because a microcontroller is a CPU, it just has more I.O. and peripherals and stuff built into the chip. Okay. So your CPU like does like general purpose CPU stuff. Microcontroller might have like an I squared C bus, serial interfaces, um, like I.O. that's built into it. So it can communicate with other things in the physical world. Uh, it can control um, rotary encoders or uh, can read potentiometers, what? but like knobs. <laughs> Like knobs, oh, okay. 
like uh, a rotary encoder <laughs> is like something that can spin forever and you can read it. Oh. Um, I think you're talking about like a rotary phone. Uh, that one is actually <laughs> not a rotary encoder because it has a stop point to it. Um, okay. But yeah, or like different uh, common device LEDs, you know, make LEDs yeah, blank, okay, uh, drive yeah. a screen, you know, do sort of stuff like that. Um, anything that really has to do with the physical world or reading sensors in the physical world, those are what that's good for. Okay, so this sounds like a big topic. That, it's a huge topic. <laughs> and I am interested in it. Um, so let's uh, maybe on like, you know, we've talked about doing topical episodes. Like we do try to focus at one big topic for each episode. And I think it might be fun to do like uh, whatever that whole field is called. Um, yeah. Like the bridging, the bridging of like software and, and hardware. Um, yeah, I'd really want to know more about that, but we don't have the time to go no, <laughs> to that's fine. into it right Basically, now. Basically, I was trying to say was like, I didn't realize that. PGAs got to the point where they were that fast to to outpace GPUs. Yeah, and actually, one of the, the they already started coming out. So like, so people currently mine with GPUs, and that's because GPUs are multi-threaded. So um, like, C- CPU mining has done very little. It's only done coins that like are only CPU mineable. In a CPU, I think most people know what a CPU is. It's like the main processing unit of your computer. Like it does most of your logic and everything. Um, but yeah, so then people mostly use GPUs to mine and GPUs are graphics cards. So they're the same thing that you play video games with. Uh, the same thing that like shows um, you used to show stuff on your monitor. Um, but yeah, so then these FPGAs are coming out and it's like really shaking up the landscape. So uh, there's a lot of uncertainty there right now. And like, I, I didn't invest a lot into the GPUs I got, luckily, because mm-hmm. <laughs> they're going to get phased out as soon as these other things hit. Um, but yeah, I was, I was like totally obsessed with it just because I thought that like this seemed like a good way to make money. It would have been a good way to make money last year, uh, but this year, not not so much, at least not currently. Not um, without a, a huge, um, like a large investment. Yeah, but even then, like there's like different, there's like all these different FPGAs that are going to come out. It's like, how do you even know that the one you get isn't going to be like phased out really fast by another one? And then another thing that happens is when you're mining, there's there's a thing called difficulty, mm-hmm. which sort of sounds like a video game. But like the more people that are mining a coin, the, the difficulty for that coin goes up because it's basically like more people are trying to get the same rewards. And so then once you get these high powered FPGAs, like the difficulty is just going to skyrocket and then you're just going to need an even stronger FPGA or like 10 of them. Because there is a finite number of coins, like depending on the cryptocurrency, yeah. there there is a there most, is a number that they them. exist and they're not right. going to go above that. Then once they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. So like after I like at first when I found out about the FPGAs, I was like, this sounds awesome. I'm going to be like one of the first early adopters and I'm going to make a lot of money. But then the more I thought about it, I was just like, oh, this just sounds like a never ending rat race. And it just sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> it is. No, it definitely is. That's why I stopped mining. Like I, I mined, um, I used something called nice hash for a while. Yeah. Um, and then like I was doing it for like a week and a half, two weeks or something. And I was like, oh, I'm making like some decent money. Like I was on track to make something like 30 to $40 a month. And um, if I, if the market stayed the same and I could exchange the coin and then they got hacked and I lost everything. And so I stopped. Yeah, a lot of people talked about that hack. Um, and I guess I'll go on to 
Uh, well, I'll go into that later. I'll continue the story, but I do want to talk about like the overall crypto landscape. Um, but anyway, so I got into mining and then I was like, this is like crazy. <laughs> um, there's, it's not a real good way to make money right now because the market's down. And so then I was just, then I was just kind of like interested in cryptocurrency. And I, you might say I got a little bit addicted to it. Sure. Um, and Iggy. <laughs> Uh, Iggy, my wife, was just like, she's like, what's what's happening to you? <laughs> well, you, we didn't talk for like a while. Like there was like a good weeks where we didn't say anything to each other. No, I mean, I'm, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. But like, well, like when I get in something, like I get in it. And that's the same way I work, too. And that's why I'm a terrible like marketing. Like, I'm not good at communicating what I'm doing because I'm like doing it so hard. Like, or like I'm so focused that like I don't know, anything that seems like a distraction just doesn't seem worth it to me because I'm in the zone. You know, and when you're in the zone, you, you're making a lot of progress and you don't really want things to take you out of the zone. At least that's how I think about it. I think yeah. people call it people call it flow. flow. Yep. I, I get into flow pretty easily, but then if you get taken out, then it sucks. You got to try to get back in. And Yep. That's the work think, day, getting yeah. taken out of flow. But I get into like a life flow, which isn't really good because then some of my other parts of my life will suffer. Like I'll stop doing like, like, well, seriously, when I was obsessed with cryptocurrency, it was like, I think it was like three or four weeks. Like I wasn't going to the gym as much. And like, yeah, Iggy, <laughs> Iggy was like, are you okay? Like, I mean, she's seen me get obsessed with things, but I mean, I was like really obsessed with it because I was trying to, because I thought this was a way to make money. And like, so I had like a lot of, you know, reason, at least at the time, I believed like this is a really a good way to make money. And I wanted to, my idea was that I was like, I would set up these passive crypto incomes and I would go back to working on the game. And then like, while I'm working on the game, I'm making passive crypto income. Yeah. So I viewed it. It's I viewed a good it, idea in theory. <clears throat> yeah. I viewed it as like a one-time investment. Like I'm going to invest like a month of time to research this and get this passive income going. And then it's going to keep building up over time. That was the idea. <clears throat> and we'll find out. Maybe it didn't end up that way. <laughs> it didn't <laughs> end up that way. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll continue the story. So, yeah. so then, <clears throat> uh, so then I was just like, I was starting to lose favor with mining because then I realized there's other ways to make money. There's just like, there's just trading. That's what most people do that make money. Yeah. Like you can just, you know, you try to buy a coin cheap and then like you hope it goes up in value and then you sell it. Um, and that's one way. And then the other way, there's these things called master nodes. Have you ever heard of those? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So <clears throat> they sound like, it sounds like a really cool idea. And I think that's why when I found out about them, then I was like, I'm not going to do mining. I'm just going to do master nodes. So master node. Oh yeah. And I should mention one drawback to mining. Uh, well, there's actually a lot of drawbacks, but one is that it uses electricity. I think and I texted you this. Like I, when you were first getting into mining, I was like, it yeah. uses a ton of electricity. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, but you just got to mine the right coin. Like you got to know what coin to mine. Yep. And like, and in, in theory, yeah, like I actually am mining uh, a coin that I like, but I'm actually not right now because of another drawback to mining. It generates a lot of heat. Sure does. Makes the room super hot. It's like 95 degrees right now. My air conditioning sucks. This apartment has terrible insulation. It's so hot in here. I'm, I'm almost like sweating <laughs> just like when I'm recording this. Um, and I don't even have the mining thing turned on. If I had to turn it on, it'd be even hotter. 
So like the generates electric, like you have to pay for that electricity and you have to see like, um, is the value of the coin making, is it worth more than the electricity? ROI. Yep. Yeah. But then if you don't sell the coin right away, like what if the coin goes down in value? Like you might think, oh, I'm making a lot of money. And then the coin actually went down in value before you sold it. So then you like didn't make anything. And then you spent money on all that electricity and you were like suffering in the heat. <laughs> Yeah, um, a buddy so, of mine had like, or he has like 10 GPUs. Uh, he was running about a year and a half ago when things were a little bit uh, more profitable. And he yeah. had it in his basement like during the winter. And we would go down to his unheated basement. And it would be very pleasant down there because those things were generating so much heat. Yeah, I was thinking like in the winter, like just don't get a heater, just mine. Yeah. And then like, and then because then because then you would be using that electricity on the heater if you were going to use an electric heater. Um, so then you'd sort of be, it'd sort of be, be like a smarter thing to do at that point. If you're using electric heat. Yeah. But then, I mean, there's so many, like when I was first getting into this stuff, I thought it sounded awesome, but like, it's not, there's, it's, there's uh, a lot of, there's a lot of issues. That's what I was trying to tell you. Like, yeah, I've been down this road. I know people have been down the road. It's, it's, uh, it's a rabbit, an exploding rabbit hole that yeah. uh, got to stay on brand. And, uh, it, it does add up expense wise. Yeah, so if you if you had a time machine, then I would recommend mining because you could go back to last year and do it. But don't do it now. Just it's it's so volatile. Like everything changes like every day. Yeah, um, it's an unregulated but, market. But let me talk a little bit about master nodes before go I for it. before I talk about the overall mm-hmm. thing. <clears throat> Take a sip of water. So we talked about some of the drawbacks to mining, like the electricity, um, maintaining the hardware, like, you know, your hardware could fail. And there's actually a lot of different parts to the hardware, too. You got, I mean, you have an entire computer and then you have each individual graphics card. You also have these things called risers, which I had never even heard of before this. You familiar with those at all? Yep. I'm sure you are. You know a lot more about hardware than me. <laughs> But they're basically like, it basically lets you plug in a graphics card into a motherboard without directly plugging it in. But you, So you have to have one of those for each graphics card. And like those things fail pretty often. One of mine failed. Because they're cheaply um, made. Yeah. And <clears throat> yeah, it's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad that I like only did a little bit and I got the graphics cards pretty cheap. Um, so I, I think the, those probably will get the return on investment by the time the FPGAs come out and like make everything useless that I have. So here's the thing about FPGAs, just really quickly. They are good. They are good right now, and those have the ability to update their so like the the configuration of their internal hardware even in the field. But newer graphics cards are always going to come out, and those things are going to be eventually lagging behind whatever next gen graphics card. So those are going to yeah. be the the hot right now. Or if someone makes a really good ASIC miner, that will be also faster. Yeah, but the yeah the thing about the ASIC miners, you could, you sort of mentioned what ASIC ASIC is just it just means that something is like only used for one thing. Yeah, application specific integrated circuit ASIC. Okay, so yeah, so like if you have an ASIC miner, it means like it means it'll only mine one algorithm. Yep. So so not just one coin, but one algorithm because sometimes coins will share the same algorithm. Yep. But but yeah, but then once you get those things on there, then the difficulty shoots up and. It's just oh yeah, like, it's rid- it is a rat it's race. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's terrible. I don't just don't don't do it. That, that's my <laughs> advice. <laughs> just don't. Yeah, I'm not stay, going to stay away. Run away. Okay, but I need to talk about the master nodes. Master a bit. nodes. 
So master nodes sound really cool. They sound amazing. They sound too good to be true. And in most cases, it turns out there. So master node, it's basically like, uh, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you literally what it is. So, um, so these are only offered by like specific coins. Like sometimes a coin will be like, uh, part of it will be mineable. And then the other part will be master nodes. So you can have like a coin that's both mined and master node, or you can have only master node. And so master node means that you, you get a certain amount of coins, like let's just say a thousand. So if you get 1000 coins, once you get that amount, you set that amount aside, you can't touch it. Um, so you, you're using it as collateral and then they'll basically pay you to have, to keep those coins as collateral. <clears throat> so you're basically generating your own coins. I mean, that sounds awesome, right? Yeah, in theory. <laughs> um, and there's a little bit of technical knowledge. Like you have to, uh, you do have to set up a VPS and then you run the master node on there, but you only have to set it up once. So, so it's nice because you don't have hardware. Like you don't have to go out and buy something and like maintain it. Like it's just software. Um, see, I mean, it sounds really cool. And, and when they are used properly, it is cool. Um, but there's so many scams with master nodes because like every like everybody wants that right you want to get get a certain amount of coins and then you're going to generate your own coins and then eventually you would have all of the coins that you bought like you would get a, a return on investment yes but these like i don't know it's crazy man can i like yeah go ahead so it's so funny to me um, because a lot of people get into cryptocurrency because they're into tech. Like they're they're like uh, programmers or, or, you know, they're interested in tech and then they see this and they say this is pretty cool. But it all mirrors the financial world that exists prior. Like every single thing like yeah. is like securities and stuff like that. Like all of these things have been tried using, I guess, in using cryptocurrency parlance, fiat currency or whatever. That's all been like done. <laughs> Yeah, and I've actually learned a lot about just like stocks. <laughs> like yeah. like I had no interest in stocks. And then I'm like telling Iggy like it's in a bear market. Like I'm using all these like stock all these terms and she's like, "Oh, it's a stock term." Yeah. I don't know. There's there's like a lot of other ones like a, if it's bullish it's bull, it means bear like markets, it's rising. Yeah. There's way more other terms, but I, don't know, I can't think <laughs> I can't mm-hmm. think of any right now. Or or like buy the dip, you know, you want to buy it when it's like dipping and right. then uh I don't know, but the idea is it's like, yeah, it's exactly like the real, the fiat currency. Fiat means like government backed Go- currency, back. like, yeah. like US dollar, you know. Uh, but yeah. Um, so masternodes didn't work out too hot. Yeah. So <clears throat> when I found out about masternodes, I was like, this is it. I was like, this is what I've been looking for. I was like, this is how I'm going to get passive income. I'm going to be able to, you know, fund my gain development by having like some money invested in cryptocurrency. And it's going to keep growing over time. But uh, man, like some, some crazy stuff happens with these, with these masternode coins. Cause like everybody wants them. Mm-hmm. So like a masternode in a masternode also has the idea of difficulty. Like when just a few people have masternodes, like those things pay out a lot. And so you look at the stats and you're like, man, <clears throat> I'm going to get an ROI in like five days. Like, doesn't that sound awesome? You like invest, like, let's say you invested a thousand dollars and someone said, I'll give you a thousand dollars back in five days. And then your money's going to keep growing. Yeah. That's an, that's I mean, nowhere on earth. Does that happen for real yeah, though? I mean, it sounds amazing. It sounds like, way too course, good to be true. Like, of course, that's what I want. 
Yeah, yeah. You want to double your investment in five days? Yeah. Yeah. The problem is that, yeah, that's what everyone wants. Yeah. So when when people see that, they're like, well, I'm going to get these coins. And then everybody starts buying that coin. And then they're starting up their master nodes. And then the ROI just keeps like... Yeah, it's the real uh, world. Like, it's the same financial market models and everything that oh, exists. Oh, yeah, that's cool. That's cool that you can relate it to that, because yeah. I don't know a whole lot about the real, like, Wall Street and all that. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, so everybody starts buying it, and then they all start setting up their masternodes. So then the masternode ROI starts dropping, like, a lot. Like, yesterday it was, like, five days. The next day it's, like, ten days. Then the next day it's, like, 20 days. And, like, it's, like, um, there's a name for that, this parabola or whatever (laughs) like (laughs) like it keeps multiplying i mean it drops quick yeah yeah so and then then everybody starts freaking out and like they're like well i'm not gonna get my return on investment so i'm gonna sell these coins that i just bought but then again everyone has the same idea yeah it's a a market at that point everyone tries to sell their coins at the same time the coin drops in value sometimes to basically nothing like less than a cent so this is this right here like what you're describing it's market panic and it's it's happened in the history of markets before and that's why crypto markets are insane to invest in because they're unregulated that's why we have regulations to prevent stuff like this from happening and everyone losing their shirts yeah so um so that's one bad thing and then let's talk about the other really bad thing i mean there's some good i'm gonna talk you're gonna get to the good stuff (laughs) i'm gonna talk about good things but like (laughs) i'm just (laughs) i would really discourage people from investing even though just if you had asked me like a few weeks ago i would have been like yeah no and (laughs) do it and i think like i said the conversations are in discord i absolutely discourage people from investing in coins or thinking you're gonna day trade and make all this money like you're gonna lose don't do that there are much more sound investments for your cash yeah so then let's okay so then the other big the bad thing about cryptocurrency is just that that humans are are terrible sometimes you know they are so much so much theft man so many scams i I don't know what the exact percentage is but it's like 95 percent or something like 95 percent of the cryptocurrencies are scams yeah well it's it's, fake it's like uh it happens in like the the real world too you know like the mortgage-backed securities everyone was convinced they didn't know how it worked but they convinced it worked and then the whole economy crashed it's the same thing like people don't know exactly how everything works but they hear that people are making money at this and they go for it and they get scammed or something yeah but like people are starting up these projects like i don't don't know how many per day but it's like there's like a new coin like every like five minutes like there's always some new thing and then each it always sounds like like oh man this is the one (laughs) it seems unsustainable everybody always talks about fomo they're like oh my fomo like yeah fear missing out by the way that's yeah i need to get this coin like what if it gets really big and i'm (laughs) i'm like i'm like talking to iggy i'm like no i need this coin oh it's gonna be awesome (laughs) she's she's like i don't know (laughs) sounds like iggy's a saint for putting up with you for uh for your journey down cryptocurrency alley yeah yeah we we both got our issues but we uh we love each other you know that's good it's good we put up with each other's uh quirks and stuff um but yeah there's so many scams and like on some of the coins that I was invested in, it's like, I was like, man, this seems like a, <laughs> seems like a really good project. And then like the next day, boom, all gone. Even like a coin that's like, 
it's not just scams. Like even a coin that's like, uh, like the, the project has been ongoing for a year. So like, let's say there's a coin. I mean, I've seen this. Mm-hmm. The coin has been going for a year, and like a lot of people have the coin. Like it's looking really good. Everybody's happy. They're like, yeah, my investment is like raising or whatever. And then the developer like makes a mistake. Like all your coins are gone, or they're all worthless. They they like forked the project. They made a mistake. Uh, so like all all your coins are just gone. Or like uh, I don't remember exactly what what it is, but they're like fork and like a coin will get like stuck. It'll get like stuck on a block. Yeah, I don't even really. Do you know what that means, by the way? So I'm assuming that nobody's like mining it. So if they have yeah. to, they have to verify the ledger, and nobody's putting any forth any computer, so none of the transactions get uh, verified. Yeah. So the coin gets like frozen or whatever. Yeah, unless it's, like, somebody stuck. Like unless people like decide to go mine for that coin again, everything is just kind of stuck where it is. That's kind of the the downside of like decentralized computing. Uh, no, it, but I mean like it's not that people aren't mining, but it's like the developer like messed something up and it's like stuck. Sure, like, there's that too. Can't. And so then when something like that happens, like I've just seen like uh, like there'll be a good project and the developer will make one mistake and then like everything like your coins might not be worthless right away, but like the thing is like everybody starts freaking out because yeah. they're like oh oh they're like oh no my investment is gonna be worthless and everybody starts selling and so like one developer mistake will like tank an entire coin even if it's been gone for like a year also if no exchanges take that coin like your you might have a lot of whatever coin and it might be somewhat valued for whatever but if one of the exchanges decide to not support that coin anymore and there's no way to get your coin from that to another coin or that to a fiat currency doesn't matter it's worthless you just have a lot of nothing yeah that's where a lot of the scams come in like some coins they'll have what's called an initial coin offering ico called an ICO. Yeah. And like, you know, they'll have like this really nice website and they'll have a white paper that like explains the project. And people are like, oh man, this sounds awesome. I got my FOMO. I'm going to get this. And and then they just, so then people buy the coin, um, like an initial coin offering, like you would buy that directly from the developer. So like they'll sell it to you directly and then they'll just never put it on an exchange. So then you'll, yeah, <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. like you just won't be able to do anything with the coins. Yep. Like what good are your coins? Like they don't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, again, I, I hate to keep drawing this, but just like anybody who's interested in this, like it's like in the real world, if you have all, if you have a lot of some currency of some country, but that country's currency is worthless everywhere else it doesn't matter like you might not be able yeah. to use it for anything useful yeah so there's just like there's so many issues and like it's yeah it's really risky and like like there was one project i mean i'm not gonna name any like specific projects and I, I don't really see the reason to but like i was like yeah this project seems awesome and then what was actually those fpgas started coming out mm-hmm. and they were like mining their coins like all the coins <laughs> like all the coins are going to one person and then the developers like oh like oh no all the coins are going to one person that defeats the point of decentralization like right. the whole point of cryptocurrency is decentralization you want the coins to be distributed um and this was also a master node coin so if one person has all the coins and one person would get all the master nodes um <clears throat> and yeah so then the developer's like we're gonna this coin was worth like six dollars and the developer's like and it started dropping so like this person started mining it started dropping like quick it started going like all the way down to three dollars and then the developer's like oh no <laughs> 
we got to do something about the mining. And they're like, we're going to switch to the proof of stake algorithm, which is sort of like master nodes, but a little less complex and less rewards. Um, you don't you don't set your coins as collateral like you still have access to your coins, but you just like leave your wallet open. And I don't even know why <laughs> or how it works. Maybe you do, but they'll just start like paying you to stake your coins. Sure. Do you know, do you know why? I never actually know. No, so that. like that is getting to the, the edges of my knowledge about cryptocurrency. But yeah, but that's another way to like... Um, like process transactions like you can do it through proof of stake because this coin that i was in they were they were saying well since these fpgas are here and like one person's taking all the coins we're going to switch to a proof of stake so they switched away from mining to a proof of stake but then when they did that it like messed it up and then like everyone started getting these like weird uh oh man what was the word oh orphan blocks you're <laughs> yeah they're not used they're just yeah so so i'm like oh cool like i'm gonna try staking because it's new and so then i tried staking i get all these orphan blocks and then like everyone is saying they're getting orphan blocks and so that means basically means you have a block that's not on the blockchain right and the blockchain is like the official ledger right basically it's it's so basically it's it's a bit a long ledger that just verifies every transaction that's ever taken place on that specific blockchain yeah so an orphan block would i guess the real world equivalent would be like if someone like tore a page off of the ledger yeah and then gave it to you it's like we don't it's need just this like they're like here have this page yeah and then you're like what am i going to do with this like nothing <laughs> So everybody was getting these orphan blocks and everybody was like getting mad. They're like, what's happening? And then the developer three days later was just like, oh, I did it wrong or whatever. Now we're going to roll back the ledger. Well, they're going to roll back the blockchain. So then it basically means the last three days didn't happen. You got to reprocess all those transactions or and redo them weird. if they, ha- they have to like re-transact yeah, like, them. I don't even know how that works. Because like, what if you paid, like, what if you paid Bitcoin for some of some of those alternate alternate coins during that time yeah like you just lost your bitcoin right uh potentially i don't know how they sync them up well because you paid for coins yeah but then the other coin went backwards so then you don't have those coins right but you still lost the bitcoin yep i mean it's not great that sucks yep (laughs) and how do you know that they're not going to do that again you don't know when they don't know because everything's in active development or seemingly active development yeah also and this was i want to say that like people here blockchain and they hear decentralized a lot of the bigger coins are not actually decentralized so like bitcoin uses they're switching to something called a lightning network the real big stakeholders in bitcoin like they're centralized you're not going you know like you or i mining a bitcoin or something like we have very little say in what happens with that bit uh that blockchain like people with giant server farms in china and stuff like that they are the biggest stakeholders in how that coin like they can slow down the network they can speed up the network like it is not decentralized like people think it is decentralized yeah and they also talk about these things called 51 percent attacks yes and i've heard of a few happening um i guess it usually it happens on the smaller coins but like it means that it means that one person or like a group of people or whatever they're able to get enough computing power to mine at 51 percent of the hash rate and so then i mean i don't know exactly but i think it means that they can fake the blockchain right like they can fake the ledger they can cause a lot of damage depending on how it is configured like they yeah they use it to steal coins i know i mean i don't know exactly how it works so i don't know if you watch the show they did uh like silicon valley this past season they actually talked about a 51 percent attack it uh, was exaggerated and dramatized and not exactly accurate but they did that was one of the 
things they talked about. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's why the coins, the developers kind of freak out when someone gets a lot of coins because, you know, they don't want to be susceptible to that. It's going all right, though, right? People are understanding the story I'm telling. I think so. Okay. So we've talked a lot about the bad parts of cryptocurrency, and there are a lot of bad parts, mainly because why can't people just, I don't know, treat each other better? That's, <laughs> like, I mean, that is, what? that is why we have regulated markets. When people say that they want yeah. free markets and they're unregulated, bad things happen because people take advantage of people. Like I am very uh, opinionated about this. Regulated markets, and I would even say heavily regulated markets, are a good thing for humanity. Yeah, I mean, it'll be different for each thing, like how much regulation you would need for each thing. But uh, you need some regulations, like, otherwise, like the planet is going to die, like if everybody just pollutes everything. Right. I mean, I know dealing with that now. Yeah, regulations are a good thing if they are considered. And um, yeah, I, I don't want to go into it because it's just going to yeah, make this podcast. Right. That's a big, yeah. <laughs> that's a big topic. Um, ah, crap. What was I? Um, I'll just start over. So we talked a lot about the bad parts of cryptocurrency, but turns out it's not all bad. What? (laughs) The the parts that are bad is just because people are dumb and people just try to take what they can get without thinking about how it affects other people. Not being empathetic. All the theft and all the scamming. And I've already seen tons of it on projects that I was involved in. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so let's go into, well, let's, okay, let me talk about the main good thing about cryptocurrency. Okay. Uh, Well, the main thing that people like about cryptocurrency, the the obvious thing is that it allows you to like have a payment system without a government. Um, You don't need, and you don't need a bank. Like you're, you're like, you're in control of your currency. So that's, what do you mean? I mean, kind of like you're, you're not totally in control of your currency. Like if for whatever reason, the network breaks or the developer breaks it or whatever, like you have some yeah. control. Yeah. I mean, you'll never, I mean, you, you have control about what you can do with it, but yeah, like the currency itself might, like something might happen to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um it, yeah. But, and again, like, uh, when people say they don't want government control, that also means that if something happens, there's nothing, there's nobody there to, to recoup your yeah, losses. Right. Right. So like if you accidentally like, like sent like you accidentally sent a bunch of coins to the wrong address by mistake it's like it's gone right you know like you like you can't call up bitcoin customer service because there isn't one or like you know people store their money in banks and a lot of those are backed up by the fdic in the united states and if the bank fails like a lot of them did in 2008 people's uh bank accounts were insured up to a hundred thousand dollars if this was uh cryptocurrency or you stored it under your mattress and it was stolen is gone yeah also um I, we keep we keep talking about bad things. I'm trying uh, no, to talk I'm, about good things. I just <laughs> but, want to give people a realistic picture of like. No, let me say one more bad thing. Okay. Like if you lose your password, or, <laughs> yeah. or if you lo- or if you lose your wallet, like it's it's gone. Yep. Like all of your money is gone. There's a Planet Money podcast about that. Like that. There's all these bitcoins that they estimated that are just people forgot their passwords or their wallets, and they're just yeah gone forever. There's encrypted, so there's no way to decrypt them. They're just forever. Yeah, unavailable. and you like, and this that happened too. Like you're starting on a website, and the website got hacked. Yep. So there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of ways you can lose it. Yep. Like someone someone could hack you, or you could just like lose your password, or just the wallet is an actual file. Like you can just lose that file. A lot of people have. Yeah, so... (laughs) 
but um you but you do have full control over it you know if we just ignore the possibility that like the developer would like i don't know do something wrong like the more established currencies like bitcoin like i don't think there's much chance of that happening no. you, i mean the blockchain makes it stronger um because it's there's so many people involved and it's all distributed so but so let's talk about the blockchain because that's the main good thing mm-hmm. um like it, it it basically enables like a new type of technology. Um, and I just think there's a lot of really cool things that can be done with it. And and that's the good part about cryptocurrency. It, it's the actual projects that are using the currency. So like, like Ethereum. You'll have a, yeah, I don't actually know a lot about Ethereum. I don't know about how it actually works. So you can actually use it for, for useful things, uh, like contracts. Um, that, that's what they call them. But like... They're called smart, smart contracts. Smart contracts, yeah. And you can like write small pieces of software that use the blockchain. So like that's, I think even when we were talking on Discord when you're first getting, like that's what interests me is like the technology behind the cryptocurrency, not necessarily like the markets and the trading and the mining. Like it's how how can we use this to better improve or, or clever uses of technology? Yeah. So like, yeah, people are making it, um, like some of the projects are making it so that you can like, m- like write your own apps that will run on the blockchain. Right. I don't remember the name, but like one of the projects is doing like a C sharp. Um, so you'd be able to write a decentralized C sharp app. And that's the cool thing about master nodes because <clears throat> I said like the master node will actually run on a VPS, a virtual private server. And so then you're actually like lending them your computing power of that server. So you have like all these master nodes set up, uh, the coin or the project can, can use those servers to do some cool stuff. Like for example, like a streaming video service, there's a few coins that are working on that, you know, something to like replace Twitch, but instead of like Twitch is like hosted on a website, like this is just hosted everywhere. Right. It, it like does. The- that's what is really cool because right now, like, yeah, like Twitch, it's hosted on AWS and it's Amazon servers, wherever. And so this way, like uh, you got a little bit of compute power in your computer or, you know, somebody is ponying up. Like there's a way to pay for it without um, like you could potentially mine for coin and then use that to run something that you wrote. Yeah. Yeah. Or like I said, like you'll run a master node and then they'll pay you to run it. Basically, right. so they're paying you for your computing power. Instead of you paying is, dollars, you could. Yeah. You pay a coin. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the stuff that's cool. It's just projects that are using the technology for actual actually useful things as opposed to just like trying to steal your money (laughs) this is actually kind of funny because like we are now like when you started learning about cryptocurrency like i was where we're talking about right now like i'm like this is the cool part and i was like and now we're both at the same place yeah and i was like what's that (laughs) yeah because because you were because you were saying like i think I think cryptocurrency is cool because of the like potential applications of the technology. And I was like, well, what is it? (laughs) (laughs) So this is exciting. I'm I'm glad that we're now. It's like, you just, it's like, you just pay people, right? It's like, no, the cryptocurrency, like on the good projects, the cryptocurrency is just used to reward you for helping them run the project. Basically. Um, another project I know of, uh, they're doing like, they're working towards online multiplayer for games. Mm -hmm. So decentralized. So like their software would like run your games or, you know, the servers on the master nodes and it'll be distributed throughout. And so the cool thing about the blockchain is that it's really hard to hack. Like you can really only hack it with a 51% attack, right? Uh, yeah. Or, you know, exactly where like all the n- nodes that are mining are. 
How would that work? Where you just knock them all off the network. Oh, and then you would have enough yeah. power. I mean, it's it's harder as the coin grows. So like, yeah, um, but yeah. I mean, I've read that it's it's a it's one of some of the least hackable. Sure, it's like the the least hackable way to like store data and stuff. Like if you had like private data or something, like <clears throat> you could have a, a decentralized social network, like a decentralized version of Twitter. There's a there's a project or a podcast that I sent you. I think um, that talked about a decentralized file sharing system where everything, all your files are stored on the the blockchain and then they're retrieved in the browser using like some javascript that will take it off the blockchain like that stuff is so cool to me like that is the application that i'm interested in um yeah and it's kind of interesting because i know a few projects that are doing that so it sounds like each like each potential cool use of blockchain like there's a few different projects tackling it and then i guess it's just gonna be like whichever one is the best yeah is gonna win i mean it improves the web to me because the web like it's great because you can just throw it up there and anybody can access it but as soon as the website or a server is if it's not been archived it's gone like you can't access that file anymore like or whatever like it's just toast if the server goes yeah. down uh unless right. it's like you know whatever cdn but like with that like you don't have to worry about it if a node goes down it's somewhere else yeah um yeah there's been a lot of talk about digital assets mm-hmm. um i saw one that was like cats <laughs> I don't know crypto if you, crypto if kitties you've seen that yeah yep this is that vox did a video on that i think it might have been i think you're right yeah that that runs on ethereum oh yeah cool yep yeah so yeah it's like a yeah because if you have the blockchain it's it's really secure so it's it's like you have it's like just as secure as having something like a physical object basically that's why they call them digital assets and like you'll always have that right because it's on so many ethereum does mining right yeah you do mining for yeah. ether is their coin yeah i know i've been following the master node coins more now so i don't know as well the well i guess it's i guess those assets are then stored on the the ledger basically yep. right okay that makes sense um if i remember correctly not all of it is and that's a problem like just the uh, way they set it up but theoretically yes that is, that is how you would do it yeah because i don't even know what the smart con contracts do it's just a way for you to program what they call the v like it's a vm like they that's what they named it ethereum like it's uh, so like it's a way to run code on the blockchain vm stands for virtual, virtual machine. machine that's correct <laughs> we always have to tell I people forget, the acronyms. Yeah. so much jargon <laughs> no. well no it's always like yeah. i'll say an acronym and then you'll tell people or yeah, you'll yeah. say one and then i'll <laughs> Uh, which yeah. actually, I, I don't know, like related, I just thought it was cool because like one of the things like that with digital stuff is you d- you lose rarity because people can just copy it. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things that was cool is I was watching uh, SGDQ that's actually wrapping up right now. Um which is like a speed running thing. And some artists did this digital print and they were selling it. And it's like, oh, that's cool that they printed it out. But he's like, then the artist destroyed it. Like that, what they had was like the only copy. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like that not a lot of people I know do that, even if they design on computers. It's like, oh, that's clever. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's the same thing with those crypto kitties. Yep. Um, each, each cat is unique. And for people that think we're insane, it's like, I don't know, you, you can like buy a cat or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not a real cat. It's like, it's like a collectible. It's like an avatar. Yeah. It's like, it's got some stats. You can breed them and they're all unique. Yeah. And you can like go and look at your cat. Yep. Um, but yeah, but then yeah, each one is unique. So there's, it's just like a real cat. Like, I guess they're starting to learn how to clone animals. It, it's kind of like, I mean, it's like trading <laughs> cards. You get trading cards and they make a limited amount of like really rare ones. And so like those are worth more money. And then like, so that 
that's how things in the real world have uh, value in the current system that we have. So it's hard to do that with digital stuff because you can just replicate it wherever. So this seeks to introduce that back into digital goods. So the story ends in a pretty unexpected way uh, through my obsession with cryptocurrency for, I don't know, it was like, I mean, I was like really obsessed for like four weeks and then, oh I'm, yeah. And then some other stuff happened and uh, I took on a small job to help one of the cryptocurrency projects. Um, and then they ended up liking what I did. I made a discord bot. It's not released yet, so I'm not going to, I don't have their permission or anything to say what it is. So I just won't say, but I just, I made a discord bot, you know, on a discord server. Sure. And they really liked my work. And then they offered me like a pretty big job. So, uh, doing game gaming related stuff, a little bit of game development and also a web app, which is what you do. (laughs) That is what I do. Which is why uh, we talked a little bit about the web app. Um, we'll just like, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But um, yeah, I mean, I, as a game developer, um, I haven't made any money with my own projects for a, a long time, which kind of sucks. Well, not, I mean, I still make money from ads on Super Mario Crossover, but, um, you know, I haven't actually like released um, like an actual Exploding Rabbit project that I was proud of. I've done like small gigs here and there to try to like sustain myself financially. And that is the biggest challenge with game development. I've probably mentioned it a bunch of times, but it's just like making games like um, it takes a long time. um, But if you put in the time, like you figure out how to do it really well. Um, But the biggest challenge is like being able to pay for stuff and survive like while you're working on the game. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, so, like, I have done, like, several, like, some contract work here and there. Uh, that's mainly how I've gotten by. Uh, but, yeah, I was offered something, like, pretty big. So, there, there is a chance that I might have to put Exploding Rabbit on hold uh, for a while. But I don't really know yet. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what's tough. That's why, um, you know, I, I have the job that I have. It can be frustrating sometimes. I, I generally enjoy it, but it's hard to do anything without a steady income. Um, yeah, I think almost anybody in the world can attest to that. It also just makes life way more stressful. Like if you. Yes. Yeah. Well, I just. Yeah. Well, you're talking about steady income, but also just if you don't have a lot of money, like it, it just puts a lot of stress on everything. Yeah. And then I also noticed that lately, like, well, my like, um, you know, I did the Super Retro Squad Kickstarter and that like did not turn out well. And we lived in Ohio for a while. And I don't know if we'll ever talk about that on this podcast. Just sure. it's like, yeah, I- it's like really hard to talk about because it deals with it deals like really intimately with like seven people. Um, and, and I got criticized before when I did try to like explain some details. Um, but I just, I don't really want to like drag anybody into anything. Like, I don't, that's the reason I don't really talk about it is just cause it involves other people. Um, but what did happen there, like it changed me, like it changed my brain in a, in kind of a bad way. <laughs> um, well, I mean, there were some good things about it, but like we lived in a house 
you know, with several people for like a little over three years. And um, the bad thing that happened to me was uh, like, I started to get anxiety. Like, have you ever had, like, have you ever like, f- oh yeah, felt like, cro- like a chronic anxiety? Oh yeah. Like, I mean, not to, this isn't about, you know, that or whatever, but yeah, I, f- I feel it often. Um, yeah. And yeah. So I, so before that, I didn't, um, like before going to Ohio uh, for Super Retro Squad, like I didn't really feel I mean, I felt anxious sometimes, like I would get nervous about things, but but I didn't really have it like chronic where I would have it every day. Um, and like, that's what I developed when I was there. And then when I left, like it sort of went away, but like not completely. And like, I did like research on like how to try to live like a less stressful life or a less anxious life. And a lot of the things were just about how your brain like physically changes like when you feel anxiety for like a long term period, like your brain adapts to it, which yep. sucks. Uh huh. Um. So then, like you're more you're more prone to an anxiety response to things that aren't even normally anxiety inducing. So like that'll be yes. like that'll be like your first reaction. And so that's kind of what happened to me. Um. And so like the the bad part is that like uh, sometimes when I work on uh, I rename it to Glitch Strikers. Which is an awesome name. I still think it's... It's a pretty good name. And that trailer was pretty good, too. Took forever. I don't know if it was worth it, but I agree it was awesome. (sighs) Oh, crap. Now I forgot what I was just talking about. Oh, you were just talking about working on the project and how it relates to anxiety. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so it sucks. But what happened was, like, that game, working on that game, became an anxiety trigger for me. Um, And I was still able to get things done but like uh it's hard to explain but like it's like way harder for me to work on that project than it is for me to work on anything else oh for sure like it's got so much legacy like there's so much stuff attached stuff to it connected to it and yeah. it sucks because like it's a really cool idea and i i really want to make it and i'm afraid that someone else is, <laughs> is gonna do it before me uh but i think that's a pretty common fear for game developers I mean, in general, like, yeah, but also everything's been done before. So, yeah, like, cause, it's it's like, yeah, because the well, yeah, you're right. It's it's like a it's like you're mixing different. You're, you're like basically mixing things that have been done before, but in a different way, like correct, presenting yeah. them in a different way. Um, but yeah, like if I'm being like honest, like I'm not really in a place to like finish that game easily right now, which sucks to admit. Um, and you and you know that I was working on another project that I am almost done with. <laughs> so I don't, yes. I don't know what I'm going to do with that because I would like to at least do that one. I think you should release that. I mean, I, I, it's, I know I mean, it's I, now it's a lot different. It's not done. Like I can't, but, um, but that one's like close enough that I could finish it. But then this other job is full time though. It's like, how would I, I mean, at the, I know it's hard. My opinion, just as being a software developer, at the very least, if you have most of it done and you have no ability to release it, you should open source it. Well, that it's not really in a state that that could be done right now. Um, but I mean, open sourcing it, sometimes people pick up projects and like we'll take them from wherever to the finish line. Yeah, it's more it's more that I set it up so that I could do it pretty quickly because um, I set up all the data for it, mm-hmm. um, which for this game, there's a lot of data and just... <laughs> I mean, people that don't make games don't really like there's so many different parts of game development. There's asset workflow and then there's data like oh, both, yeah. the, both asset and data workflow. Um, I had both of those just about done, but I still had to build the game. So that's what I mean. Like the game isn't there, but the asset and data workflow are done. Uh, 
so there's nothing really there's not enough like gameplay code to actually like oh i wasn't talking about open sourcing that i was talking about open sourcing the other thing if you don't end up releasing it yeah not necessarily the game okay i think i know what you mean yeah i apologize that we're being vague but uh yeah i'm being vague because i don't want to say anything yeah i don't i don't want to say what it is it's fine um but yeah so that's the bad part about this but then there's also a good part um i mean i still haven't agreed to like the terms of this job but if i do make a reasonable amount of money from this there's also the potential that i could hire someone to help me um like maybe (laughs) i've never even talked to you about this but i would like hire you Just tell me right now during yeah. the podcast. Ah, uh, geez, I'm put on the spot. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, who knows? Like, that's that's a, a thing in the, the future. Yeah, I mean, that's just an idea. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, that's... If you have money, like, you can do things way easier. Yes. Like, then I wouldn't have to build it alone. So, so then the time making it would be less, but then it wouldn't be getting worked on now. I mean, part of it too is like, you know, the thing that I look at it as is having a, a job and steady income. Like what's nice about it is I have like a ton of other things that I do outside of the work that, that I get paid for. And it, it allows me that luxury of doing that stuff that I can't make money at yeah. that I still think is important. No, yeah, you're totally right. Like when I talked to Iggy about it, she's like, are you crazy? <laughs> she's like, take the job. she's uh, the way she talks about it is fine she's like they want to throw money at you like you don't want to catch it like she's like they're throwing money at you (laughs) i hey i'm i'm kind of in iggy's camp here like there is this there is this like um mythos about the indie developer that they suffer for their work that they you know they're putting it out and they're gonna eat ramen noodles and you know dirt for two years until they release their magnum opus and then you know it gets released that's shitty like that is not a good uh aspiring yeah. like thing to be in i mean i succeeded at that once when i did super mario crossover because that is what i did and we actually got we actually like couldn't afford our rent and like we didn't get evicted because our roommate covered for us but then we, mm-hmm. we were able to pay her back. But um, like that is what I did. And that is sort of what I've been doing. But this time I did not succeed with that. Um, and that happens like that. Yeah. It, like there is a point where like cutting your I have a, such a huge problem with this. Like I'm terrible at it. But cutting your losses and like trying something else like is oftentimes the much, much better yeah. choice. When, when I do other projects, like I go so fast. Like I just took, like I said, I just, I did like a discord bot project and paid, you know, pretty good. I mean, not, not like a crazy amount, but pretty good. Yeah. And it's like, I realized that like making games is so difficult that like everything else in comparison is easy. I mean, probably not everything else, but. <laughs> so you're saying my job is not fine. I'm just sitting over hey, here man. being insulted. I'm sure it's, <laughs> I'm sure it's less complicated than a game. Well, I guess it depends on the game, but. Depends on what you're doing. It's different levels of complication for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you're making like a turn-based game or something, probably not, but a real-time game. Uh, I'm just saying like the difficulty doesn't necessarily come in. Uh, it's not like, like apples to apples timing. is what you mean, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like there's different like parts of or different kinds of difficulty yes different challenges that you face but at least the way i'm seeing it now it looks like that to me that like what i was working on was very complex and then when i go to like i'm like wait i can make things that aren't games because like i wasn't even gonna take this other job this small job the discord bot and they were like just do it and i'm like "Eh." and they're like come on i'm like all right (laughs) man peer pressure worked real quick on you (laughs) 
I was like, I got this other thing I'm working on. But then Iggy's like, Jay, we need money. We're going to die. And I'm like, all right. I mean, that's a pretty good motivator. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, we need to make back the money you lost in cryptocurrency. No. Oh, yeah. She's like, we're going to die. And you're like, well, when you put it that way, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it probably would be incredibly stupid to not take this job. Like everyone I talk to says, "Uh, yeah, you should do it. So... I'm pretty sure I'm going to. So that's good. I, I think that's good. I do think that that's a, a smart decision. Um, I I know people, like I said, there is this mythos that like you should suffer and that's how any developers do it. I've, I've suffered we're all, long enough. We're man. all real humans though. Like we all, like how many people do that? Like it's really a difficult life. And if you don't have to do that and you're still afforded uh, an opportunity to do some other things that are, that are relevant and like are fulfilling and actually make you money, like, go do that. Yeah. And then the most important important thing I've always thought is like, I want to keep improving my skills as a game developer. And uh, this job, it's actually both a web app and games. So with the web app, I get like some other experience that's not a game, which is actually really helpful to bring into game development. It's just like, yeah, welcome to the wild west of terrible. Oh, my God. The web is an open standard and it is terrible most of the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've done a little bit of research on what I'm going to use. Um, I don't think we really have enough time to No, it's fine. go back and um, forth. But um, yeah, I mean, you're right. I used to do more like web development. I don't even remember how long ago that was. Like I used, I actually built my own website a few times, like back, back when you couldn't use like a service to do it, like actually like writing. Oh yeah. There's like really good frameworks out there. Yeah. But this was like back in 2006, I think like where I actually like physically wrote the HTML and CSS and Hey, what do you think about JavaScript? Like I hate it. What do you think about it? It's the worst. No, I hate JavaScript so much. All right. Um, I know people are going to attack me because it's like one of the most popular languages. I also think it's the worst. So it's, it's uh, untyped. Yeah. It, scoping is all messed up. Um, it is like so particular. It runs in a browser, which is fine, but it's also like not as fast. I know people are like, oh, you can use uh, what is it, Wasm or ASM.js or whatever they call yeah. it. Web, those are, web assembly. Those are two different things. But yeah, web, yeah. web assembly is Wasm. Uh, that's going to be the standard and it'll run near whatever. Whatever. I really like um, strongly typed languages. Like that's where I am. And I, I feel exactly the same way. Yeah. So if you make web apps, what do you use to make them so we do use some javascript but for the most part it's uh it's limited in scope because most of our stuff is business apps there's not like things that are like highly interactive um so for the most part we use i uh, it's the same thing i use in my personal projects it's dotnet uh mvc so all of the logic is all done in c sharp on the back end um, the front end stuff is all bootstrap uh, and some customizations made with bootstrap Twitter made ver- bootstrap. It's like a responsive thing where you can kind Whoa. of is what what is bootstrap? Is that a JavaScript or it's JavaScript CSS. Okay. So what it does is like it allows you to lay out your page and it gives you some tools to do that. And then it automatically does the responsive stuff. So, you know, if you put it in a panel, if you put it in, the you know, whatever the modern that was bootstrap three. Uh, and you move the the page or or resize it. You don't have to mess with that. It's done in JavaScript, but I didn't write that. Like the framework covers the front end. So you don't have to write much JavaScript. 
No, it's just very custom stuff that I end up writing JavaScript for. Like we need it to do this or we need it to do that. Like most of the stuff it's like, oh, if there needs to be like a thing that sorts a table, like there is already a JavaScript library that does it way better than I can do it. So I'm just going to take that. Yeah. I mean, do you use, um, I keep saying this thing called ASP.NET. Do you use that? Yep. Okay. I thought so. Yeah. Uh, That's uh, like, that's the whole Microsoft like stack for the web. Okay. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So you can already do that. Because I ha- I showed you a thing called Blazor and you already knew yep. about it. Blazor is C sharp in the front end instead of using JavaScript. You can use C sharp. Okay, so like for displaying the pages and stuff. Yeah, it, so instead of it like server rendering, it's C sharp running in the browser instead of C sharp running in the web server and then serving HTML. Oh, okay, so that's, the, so that's what page. you're doing. Okay. Yeah. And it's in, exper- in experimental now. It's going to get, I think it's going to go places. The guy working I, on it is super motivated. I do too. I just watched yeah. like their, uh, they do a community stand up like every mm-hmm. week or so, which is really cool. We used to do those too. We tried. <laughs> We tried everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We tried like every possible like paradigm to get people to focus. But anyway, do you guys do standups? Yes, we do it every other day. Cool. But yeah, I agree that Blazor looks really good. And I think it's probably going to be a real thing, but not sure if it's going to be able to do what I need it to do yet, but I'll probably check it out. Yeah, I think it's a it's a good thing. It, I mean, it relies heavily on WebAssembly and it uses they've converted mono. the mono runtime <clears throat> yeah. to the to the browser. So that runs and that's what the C sharp interpreter is, um, which is great. Like, that's all really cool. I'm glad it exists. I'd much rather work with C sharp in the front end than JavaScript. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's totally the future. It's just, is the future ready yet, basically? Uh, another thing you might want to look into, which is what I start using, is Microsoft makes a, a superset of Java called TypeScript, or JavaScript, I'm sorry. Oh, I kept seeing and that. that. Okay. Yeah, so what you can do is they, they provide some niceties on top of JavaScript. It's still basically JavaScript, but they add, like, now the newest JavaScript has classes, but they had classes before, and you can tell the thing what um, type it is. So you can actually, like, oh, when you're compiling it, it's expecting this type and it knows that it doesn't have it. So it's going to flag it in oh, the compi- cool. compilation. And it can also do it to older, ver- it can polyfill to older versions of JavaScript if you oh, need nice. to do that. Um, so I, that's a cool, cool front end uh, language. Yeah, because originally, like when he was telling me what the job entails, at first I was like, I'm not sure if I can do that. But then technology has advanced so much since I last did web stuff that like, uh, yeah, you can use C sharp. I mean, cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's great. That's my main language that I use and I love C sharp. Yeah, I think it's, it's a fantastic uh, language. It's what I've been using mostly too. And that's also what I built the discord button .NET core. Yep. It's awesome. That's actually my, one of my side projects that I'm working on right now is uh, .NET core MVC um, that uses entity framework to connect to like some stuff, but I'm also doing some like alternative upgrades that aren't in it. Like it uses bootstrap three as the, the front end and the newest one is bootstrap four and it's been out for a while. And then also using TypeScript to make some more like interactive stuff. So I'm like experimenting, creating like a, a framework. Cool. Yeah. Um, we should probably move on. Yeah. <laughs> this is already super So long. So that covers like what you're doing now. Um, yeah. And I like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to take the job. But we'll see. We'll update you next next episode. But you'll still be doing game development. So I'd like to yeah. keep doing this podcast about game development, which would be cool. Yeah. Um, I know the- we didn't really talk about it too much this podcast, but that's okay. Well, I don't know. To me, like, 
it's all related. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to keep the podcast focused on game development. But when I was actually looking at the web app, I mean, a web app to me, I guess it depends on the particular app, but I just started looking at it like making a game. I mean, like an app has features and yeah, uh, this just has to communicate with like databases more than I probably would in a game. But if you're doing like an online game, like online multiplayer, it's like... I've already done all that. It's like, it's not that different. I agree. I think they're very interconnected, which is why I liked doing the podcast because I do web app all day, but I also study game design and game development. And so like, there is so much crossover. Yes, this is weird because I'm sort of crossing over to your realm. I know. And we've come to, we've come together on cryptocurrency. We've come together yeah. on what are eventually uh, we'll just become one person, one person, just <laughs> one person talking into a microphone. <laughs> But yeah, uh, it's cool, and I do I do think the experience will help me be a better game developer. And another a thing that we'll be able to talk about um, once I start getting to those games is like how different it is to make small games versus a big game. Um, there's just because like the idea is just to kind of get it done, you know, by a deadline. Whereas with a larger project, you want to really like focus on the architecture and like. This this actually plays well into our next topic because it was something I wanted to discuss specifically oh. about the games we've been playing. Like this is a huh. perfect through line. Nice. I guess um I guess I'm awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cuz we're brain synced. Um so we can go into that unless you had any like final words for um No, I think that's this good. next step. Okay. That that gives us some I mean it'll give the podcast more variety, more perspective. Yeah. I think it'll be good. I think it'll be good too. Um and hopefully this new format will give us some regularity where we're not as um we just kind of chop it up and release it. Yeah, we're still in the early days of this podcast, so Oh yeah. Things will always Every be podcast changing. goes through growing pains. Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll go into uh, what we've been playing. Um, mine is, unless you want to take no, a break. No, I want you to go because I've been talking too much. Okay. So, uh, actually, I've been playing a bunch of different games since the last time we did uh, did the podcast, but nothing that I've, like, spent a lot of time and beat. I've been playing Fortnite a lot, but, you know, every, everybody's talking about Fortnite. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't need to be covered again. I just ignore everything about it. Like, I still don't even know what it is. And It's on Switch, and it's really easy to play on Switch, and it's really fun. Like, it's, it's exhilarating when you get to, the, like, the final, like, if it's just you and another person, like, well, it just, is a unique just tell experience. me what kind of game like what's the genre it's battle royale so have you ever seen the movie battle royale or mm. the hunger games I've seen the hunger games so it's kind of like that it's a bunch of people dropped into a zone and there's only one survivor and they're just so, try, they try to eat yeah so every the zone <laughs> keeps getting well i don't try to eat no i'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah oh but so like, it actually shrinks that's cool it shrinks as you go forward um and so you're forced to get close to the other person it's a hundred person match and then Whoa, the last person standing hundred whoa sounds kind of cool it's very cool it's free too like and the tech is great like it's epic who makes it so like it's really solid engine uh shooting mechanics and there's also building i still don't build and i've gotten like pretty good at making it to the end between people What's, so i don't even know what building is so the game started out with like it being a completely different game oh. and so like it was about building these forts and like defending these forts and so like you can build like ramps and like all this stuff you can like hack away with like a pickaxe kind of like minecraft and then you get resources and like build these forts and then there's also some shooting yeah that's another, they, that's another one of those things that keeps showing up in every game now 
Yeah. Yeah. So they pivoted because it wasn't super popular when PUBG came out. Um, that's what like popularized that style of gameplay. Some people will be like, oh no, it was actually HVZ or H1Z1. Whatever. It was the style of game called Battle Royale where it's a bunch of people in this map and they battle it out to the end. And yeah. so they I'm made totally it. out of touch, man. It's like the most <laughs> popular game in the world. It's crazy. Well, yeah, uh, I, I, just, I, I keep seeing stuff about these. Yeah, yeah, the H1Z1. It's like shoot people. Right. But now they're I, all the okay. basic style of so game. Battle called, Royale the genre. is what that's called. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then so they made Fortnite into a Battle Royale game. Um, and so they still have those building mechanics in there, but it's like not as important. Some people would say it's super important how you win the game, but evidence to the contrary of me playing it. You don't need to, to build, but it's still there. Uh, but yeah, it's really fun and exciting. I've been playing that uh, just like in the morning. Like it's really quick to get in and out of a match, which is why I like it. Like it's, it's really fast. Um, Imagine if it was decentralized. How fast would it be then? There you go. (laughs) There you go. I didn't really mean in speed, but yes. I just meant like the ease of getting into and out of a match. Yeah, I'm just Uh, being a stupid person. uh, What I wanted to talk about was I've been... So it just got released on Switch and 3DS or is about to. um, But I've had it for Wii U for a while. Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker. Oh, um, that's what you've been playing? Yeah. So I've had it on Wii U and I didn't want to buy it again, but it's been coming up in the news. I'm like, well, I've never really played it. I want to do that. So uh, I have been playing that pretty consistently. And that is such a well-made game. It is. It's so clever. Wow. Okay. It's so. Did you play it? Nope. Uh, so it was like a mini game in Super Mario 3D World yeah. for Wii U. Yeah. Um, and they made it and they stretched it out into like a whole series of games. So like it's different in the fact that you're not Mario, there's no jumping, but it's like this diorama almost that you play in. So it's like this box, but all these mini puzzles on how to get, you're trying to get a star at the end, avoid enemies, get these little like diamonds. That's how you like, you need to collect so many per stage. And so it's like a really unique perspective. The graphics are gorgeous. Like it's, it's very nintendo style like everything is super shiny and and like happy and pretty yeah and um i don't know like i've played probably 30 stages so far and i'm just like i'm really into the game and and when i when you said you're talking about like making smaller games and how i said this uh goes into that this is a perfect example of what nintendo does well that i think a lot of developers don't they took super mario 3d world which they probably spent a ton of time on that engine yeah and then they made a completely different game based on that like using almost the same assets and same everything they're just really good at design so they made a game that uses the same mechanics but has a different design and i think that that is like they probably didn't even have to spend a whole lot of money making that game yeah that's like when i looked at the game i mean i've never played it so i can't like really say anything about it but like it was a full price game right yes i think like when i saw it i was like i was like mad because i'm like why is that a full price (laughs) game because Nintendo can charge whatever they yeah, want, I know. basically. That's, I know, because yeah. it's Nintendo. I don't yeah. know. Maybe I was jealous. But it's like, man, it's like indie developers work so hard. They'll make, like, the coolest thing ever, and it's, like, $20 or something. Then Nintendo makes that. Sounds like it's a great game, but then they get to, they charge, like, 50 and everybody and buys it. it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's exact. I mean, it's, it's good to be Nintendo. It's good to be the king. Like, it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but it, it is a it's a charming game and uh, I'm going to keep playing it. And I because it just got re-released on 3DS and Switch, I recommend pick it up like it's it's a fun little game that you can pick up and play like a level at a time and put it down. You don't have to invest a whole lot of time. Yeah, that's not um, it's not like action, right? You're not you're not like fighting anything. Uh, it kind of uses like Mario 2 mechanics where like you pull up vegetables and um, like can throw them at shy guys and whatever. 
whatever. Oh, okay. But it is, it's totally different in the fact that there's no jumping. So, like, that's what I keep having to get used to. Like, told it's just you, Mario I, World. I can't play it if there's no jumping. There's no jumping. I told you. Yeah, you <laughs> I'm sorry. There's just not. Uh, it is so charming, though, and super fun, and uh, really good puzzle game. Cool. That's good to know it's you know it's it's always good to not judge things i mean we always will judge things of course but like it's nice to know when you're wrong <laughs> although a lot, of, a lot of people hate being wrong but <laughs> it's good to acknowledge it and like be okay with that yeah but if you say it's good like sounds like it is uh yeah i recommend it to people so you know if you're into that sort of like if you want a light experience that's like a good puzzle game that you can pick up and put down that's the game cool sounds like good game for busy people absolutely that's why i play it a lot because i can i can play a few stages and then i can put it down okay cool so i played the most amazing game god of war oh dad of boy <laughs> was that a video like i heard that I, term. it was like a meme i saw i just yeah, thought it was like okay, pretty it's a good meme. yeah i heard yeah. the term yeah boy boy pull this lever boy what's wrong with you but yeah i mean that's yeah that's all he says he says his name a few times like uh this is just like yell kratos the most often he'll say it is if you're kratos and you run away like you run really fast and atreus is like doing whatever he's like not following you then kratos is like atreus to me <laughs> so that's like the only time he says his name <laughs> boy Maybe there's other boys, or there might be other boys when he's far away, so he has to say Atreus, so he knows which one. Sure, could, could be. be. But tell me about the game, because I'm super interested in playing this. Yeah, so just a little backstory <laughs> on, on just why I played the game. Starting like, cryptocurrency. Like, I was, like, <laughs> sick. I don't mean, like, physically sick. I was, like, mentally ill with my cryptocurrency obsession. Mm-hmm. Because... <laughs> This was like the time where I was doing a little bit of trading. It was like so stressful. Yeah. And like a lot of times you have to wait. Like it takes forever. It takes steel stomach to do that stuff. That sucks, by the way. I didn't know that sending Bitcoin took like, sometimes it takes like hours. It's like, what? This is the future? Uh, Yeah, that's, they're having all sorts. I don't want to get into that again. But yeah, Yeah. they're having all sorts of problems with how it's designed. But anyway, I was so stressed out about all the cryptocurrency stuff that I was doing. And since my mind had gone crazy, like I wasn't able to work. So I was like, I need to play an immersive game. And that's what I use games for. Like I use games when I need to like be immersed. Like when life is like really tough, you need uh, something to distract you or something to to just kind of take you away so that when you come back to your work or whatever, you'll have a fresh look. So that's like my favorite thing to use games for is to, they're almost like a vacation for me. Yeah, escapism. A lot of people use it for escapism. I think in some ways we all kind of do. Yeah, but I mean, I will like directly play it for that reason. So like, I need to escape. I will mm-hmm. do that in this game. So, so yeah, um, man, yeah, it's an amazing game. I mean, I thought it would be because uh, I think Corey Barlog is an excellent director. And I, I said God of War 2, my favorite God of War game. It's a really good God of War. Um, so I, I just, I, I just figured that he was going to do it really well. And I guess before this game, he was doing cutscenes for one of the Tomb Raider games. 
So he got a lot better at like cinematic storytelling. And you can see that. I mean, the storytelling is amazing. Uh, just all the characters just. Uh. Oh, yeah. And they do a one shot for the whole game. Oh, really? It's not two camera? No, like the camera never cuts for the entire game. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, they kind of cheat sometimes, you know, of course. But like they even like. <laughs> Whenever I play games, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if it's annoying, but like a lot of times I'll just explain <laughs> like like why they're doing something like because Iggy's usually there. I mean, I like when she's there when I'm playing a game mm-hmm. and she likes to watch. So she was there for a lot of it. And since they're doing the one shot camera, I didn't even really notice this, by the way, until it was like pointed out. So when you're playing, you're just like you're immersed. You're not thinking like, oh, the camera's not cutting. You know, you're just like, you're just in the action and stuff. But I'm just saying like, since they do it that way, they have to like disguise a lot of stuff. So I'll just, you know, when you're like going to like a different area, it like does all these like fancy visual effects and you have to wait. And I'm like, they're doing this because they're loading. Oh, yeah, totally. It's (laughs) like, like, oh, yeah, the assets are streaming in now. Yeah, I'm like telling Iggy, like, the reason this takes, this is taking a long time is because they're loading the next area and they want to do it seamlessly. Or like anytime in a game where you have to like crawl through like a narrow passage, they're always loading the next area. So I'm like, the reason I have to walk slowly, I have to like crawl slowly through this like cave is because they're loading the next area. There was actually, I was watching, uh, I don't know if you ever watched Digital Foundry. They do like tear parts of like games in like tech sense. No, I don't think They're really good. Um, they, They post videos all the time and they posted today about wolfenstein uh 2 on switch and they pointed out like some of the things they did to reduce the visual quality because it's a very intense game and then it switches a mobile hardware it's like uses like phone tech and um they talked like they showed this one scene where like there's this big boat like a big draw distance and in the switch version they put up a wall because when you're in front of the wall <laughs> they don't have to render anything behind it yeah that's funny yeah when you don't want to like take a long time it's best just to cheat <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> But it's not really cheating. It's being clever. You know? It's being very clever. Yeah. Which is yeah. what game development a lot is about. It's like, how do you, how are you going to be clever about yeah, this? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's basically the whole thing. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, the axe, I mean, everybody's talking about it, but it is amazing. The axe. It's, Does it like fundamentally change the way God of War plays? Yeah, definitely. Um, like it doesn't even need to be a God of War game because the axe is so good. Like you could just have any game with that axe and you'd be like, this game's awesome. So it's not just like, it's just that like all the parts of the game are good. It's not just like some parts. It's it's not like it just has a good story. Like it has an awesome story and awesome fighting. There um, was, um, there, I, I just, I popped in my head. Do you, do you ever watch Mark Brown on YouTube? He does like, uh, yeah, analysis. Game Maker's down. Toolkit. Game Maker's Toolkit. He did one about God of War and he talked about, he's like, yeah, the axe is such a fundamental part of the game, um, that, you know, they have this boy, but he's like, if Nintendo made this game, it would just be a talking axe. Yeah, that was funny. Named Axie. <laughs> yeah. With eyeballs. With eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw that one too. Um yeah, I mean if you want a full analysis of the axe, I think that video is called Forging the Leviathan Axe. Yeah, he does great videos. Like subscribe to him, he's worth it. Yeah. Yeah, I saw you're a patron. I'm a patron too. For him. I'm a patron, yes. Because I can like see. I don't know how I know that you are, but I can like tell somehow. I think uh, I think because I'm your friend on Discord, I could see what Discords you're subscribed to. That makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Uh, 
So, yeah. And then, you know, I'm not going to give any spoilers or anything, but there's this one part in the middle of the game that is just like, it's the best. Like, I don't know. I, it's I don't know like everybody who's, I don't know if I've heard like a, a bad word said about it from anybody that I've heard play it. Like a few people, like they've all said it's an amazing game. It looks amazing. The story's really good. The combat's really good. Um, now the one camera thing is what I'm going to be looking at because that's kind yeah. of something that you yeah. can't do in film. Like you can't film a whole movie with one camera without any cuts. Yeah, you can. Birdman. Oh, really? They did it all with one thing. No, no other takes. No, it can be done. It's been done. It's just super hard. Like, because you'd have to go through the whole movie without. Yeah, ever I'm just cutting. telling you, like, it's possible and it's been okay. done. Okay, well, Maybe that's cool. Bird, I would like Birdman might not have been the whole movie, but they do it a lot. Like the scenes will be like ten minutes, and I used to direct movies, so I know it's like really, really hard. Oh, that's if, exactly. It's yeah, so hard. If anything goes wrong, you have to redo the entire take. So even when I do like I I do improv and I do like stage shows, like even then you cut you go off stage you come back like there's cuts because doing yeah just one long take is so hard yeah but if people want to see a good example in a movie it might not be the entire movie but birdman does it a lot and they do it well cool cool um but yeah and that this part i'm talking about in the middle of the game uh they do feature the the non-cut camera and again like i wasn't really like realizing that the camera wasn't cutting but there was it does have some drawbacks because like because like if kratos has to go somewhere like they can't just cut to him being there (laughs) like you have to like either watch him go there in a cut scene or you have to like walk there so that's the drawback sure sure in this like super cool part in the middle of the game i'm talking about like the camera does just like sit on him you know there's a lot of stuff in a boat like you're on a boat and so he's just like on a boat sitting and the camera's just like watching him on the boat and i'm like i'm like this is cool but like do i really need to be watching him on the boat for all this time and then yeah later i was like oh it's because of the one shot camera this is one of the drawbacks that you have to physically watch him go <laughs> to, to it the reminds me of going. like you know legend of zelda the wind waker like that's one of the things that people hated including myself is like you gotta sail you gotta don't, sail a don't lot. worry don't worry it's nothing it's okay. nothing like that it's not good the boat works fine it's it's fast okay um, but this is just this is just in a cutscene. you're watching him on a boat which is like i showed it to iggy too like after i played that part alone and then like as soon as iggy came home i was like you have to watch this and she's like <laughs> she's like no nah, i'm gonna do something i'm like no you have to sit down and watch this cutscene. watch this boat <laughs> <laughs> Because it's, I don't know, it's one of the most powerful, like, scenes I've ever seen in a video game. Um, I mean, it's made more powerful because I've played all the God of War games and I know Kratos. I know, like, his journey and what he's been through and things. So that makes it more of an emotional scene. Yeah. But just, it's like, it's a mastercraft and cinematic storytelling. And it's not just... You know, the thing that's always really cool about games, you know, that makes them special is that during like these cool moments, like you you play during it. Like if it was a movie, you might say like, this is a really cool scene in a movie, but then you're just watching. Whereas, you know, a cool scene in a game, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm participating in this. So it's even more powerful. Yeah, yeah that's that's uh, the challenge and the payoff is like it is a person with agency where in film you can direct them to exactly what you want them to see where yeah. they have you, you, a lot of times they'll box them in or whatever, but you are controlling the the character oh yeah you just reminded me of the one thing i hate about god of war what is the one thing you hate about god of war it comes down to the thing that i like to do in games you remember i like to jump oh there's no jumping it's not just that there's no jumping like well there is jumping in some parts you know like uh it's like (laughs) 
I sound old when I'm saying this, but it's like in the Zelda Ocarina of Time where like you walk to a ledge and... Walk to a ledge and it auto-hops. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really auto-hop, but you'll press a button, but basically the same thing. You can like jump when it lets you. Sure. However... It's not a mechanic that really matters. Yeah. I mean, I'm not really complaining because I wouldn't really know how to solve this problem either. But like, you know, you're you're like walking around and there's like a little tiny... There's, like, a tiny rock, and, like, you can't, like, walk past it. Like, you know, like, in real life, you just step over it. Right. You know? It's, like, they always have to create all the boundaries. And it's just sometimes the boundaries, like, I don't know, it's just frustrating. That's what, uh, it's, like, like a JRPG boundary where, like, oh, it's a fence that comes yay high or whatever. But you could, you could jump over it in real life, but they can't get past it. Yeah, so sometimes, Mm -hmm. like, I got used to it. But when I first started playing, I don't remember what I was playing before this, probably whatever I talked about on the last podcast or whatever but uh like i was used to being able to like explore oh yeah i was playing that assassin's creed game remember yes so uh, was, the egyptian one origins i was playing assassin's creed origins and in that game you can go like anywhere you can, like climb anything like step over <laughs> ledges or whatever go step over steps but then when i went to god of war it's like the boundaries are very like solid like if there's like a little tiny rock like you you cannot like step over that rock so uh i mean i got used to it but when i first started playing like that was annoying me especially like i was on like a ledge and then i looked down to like a lower area and i'm like oh there's some stuff down there and i wanted to just walk off the ledge to drop down but no you can't like there's also an invisible wall there you can't just drop off the ledge you have to like find like a some stairs or whatever to lead you down there that's what I loved. So it, it, I actually had to stop playing 3D games for a little bit after I beat uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild because that game lets you do whatever. Like yeah. it has a bunch of systems and it's just like go wild. And so like you want to climb that mountain, like you have a meter, but otherwise go for it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, different games are going for different things and like... I mean, God of War isn't, it's not focused on exploration. It's focused on the relationship between Kratos and and boy. Right. Boy. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I just remember that sticking out to me when I first started. Just not being able to, like, drop to that ledge was, like, frustrating to me. It's like the one thing that takes you out of the immersion, I would imagine. Yeah, it takes you out of the immersion. That's it. But then, like, once you start to learn the rules of the game, like, then you're used to it. But, yeah, it's definitely not, like, an immersive part of it. But, yeah, I mean, it's... It's an awesome game. Uh, I wasn't, like, too thrilled with, like, the equipment system. I don't know. It just didn't feel like... It didn't feel, like, special or amazing to me or anything. It just seemed, like, standard. Uh, So... It's not like a negative thing, but it's not a positive thing. I'm sure that... Go ahead, sorry. It's just... It's the first God of War game that you can, you know, wear armor and, like, you can, like, put these little things on your weapons to make them do different things. And yeah, I just I just didn't really think that it added much to the game. My guess is this is not going to be the last God of War game we see. Now that they've spent so much time on this engine, I'm sure that they're going to make some something else with that engine. I think they're making at least two more games in this world. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I watched some interviews with Corey Barlog, and it sounded like you know they want. It's not like it's been officially announced, but he totally wants to do sequels. Yeah, I mean, it's been so well received. I think. I mean, Sony would, doesn't have. It would like, be very stupid to not do it right right yeah. so that's cool like i i am definitely going to play that eventually um did you play it on the original playstation 4 or do you have a ps4 pro <sighs> man 
Yeah, I played it on the regular one. That's all. I, I don't have a pro, so I was just curious how it performs. Yeah, but it's like, it's 60 frames per second on the pro. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a bummer. So that just makes me like mad. Yeah. I mean, like, it's cool that you can do it if you have that, but it's like, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I, then, I also don't. So, so I'm, then have to I'm just be mad because I don't have it. And I wish I would have had the best experience playing it. But no, I didn't. I did. It's not as smooth for me. And then when you watch a video online, you're like, why is it so smooth? Like mine <laughs> wasn't that smooth. And, you know, so it's kind of a bummer. But yeah, I mean, it's 60 frames per second on the pro. So like you would really want to play it there if you can. I can't because I do not have one and I do not have the extra funds to go buy a pro. Me neither. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that is why I will play it on the original. Yeah. And uh, I did I did my thing where I like rented it. You know, I said I, I live near a video store. So I rented it and then I was like, okay, I have to buy it. Yeah. It's required. Yeah. I'm uh, probably going to, if it gets to 20 bucks anywhere I see it, I'll probably pick it up for 20. You think it's going to go down to 20? I, Games I just go rock bottom these days. It doesn't take very long. Unless it's a Nintendo game. Like all the other games like drop in price so quickly. Well, 20 you think? Yeah, I don't totally. know. I don't think it's going to go all the way down to 20 like soon. Uh, I just saw Neo for 15 bucks. Yeah, that's Neo. Really? It's 15? I've been looking 15. to pick that game up. Is it still it's, 15? Uh, follow, maybe Cheap Ass Gamer had it. Yeah, it's like on Newegg today with a coupon. 15 on bucks. PS4? PS4. Whoa. Yeah. But then if I play that, I like I can't play any games because I got to work on this big project. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's where I'm at all times. That's why I actually have curtailed my game buying recently. I don't buy that many games anymore. Yeah, I like, I bought Near Automata when it was on sale. Yeah. And then I forgot that I had it. So, like, I was like, man, we need to rent God of War because I don't have any games. And then I turned down my PS4. I forgot <laughs> forgot that I had that. Yeah. So I, I'll probably be playing that next. I bought uh, Horizon Zero Dawn for it's 10 bucks. Yeah, it's really game. cool, except it's, I haven't played it yet. <laughs> it's it's really good. I was mad that they didn't do more DLC for that. That I like I said, that game got so much praise, they're gonna make another one for sure. They'll make a sequel, but I don't yeah. know. I just wanted more. Um because usually games will do two DLCs, but they only did one. Yeah. And it's like, is it really worth turning the game back on for one DLC? It's like uh. That is the engine that uh Kojima's using for his weirdo Death, Death Stranding. Stranding. Yeah. Oh. Using Gorilla Games engines. Oh cool. Didn't so, know that. Yeah, pretty interesting. Uh, that is going to be a completely weird game now that he has like no shackles. Like yeah. he can just do whatever he wants. <laughs> yeah, it looks pretty wild. Yeah, so that'll be cool. Like babies, like. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Fetuses. game should be called like Kojima and his friends because it's just like oh yeah, my friend Norman Reedus, we're going to put him in there. My friend yeah. Guillermo del Toro, yeah, we're going to yeah. throw him in there too. Yeah, I mean it's nice to play something different. Yes, I wish him all the luck. I will be playing it whenever. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it'll be good and it's going to do well. Yeah. Although his stories are pretty convoluted sometimes. Yeah, that's actually what someone is saying. Like, he's got a big budget, um, but his games aren't, they don't have mass appeal. Uh, like, Metal Gear Solid is good and it sells decently, but if you haven't played Metal Gear Solid, you're probably not going to pick it up again. Like, my guess is, like, oh, especially yeah. on the fifth one, like, you're not going to, just like, this is the one I'm going to go in on. It seems weird. Yeah. I mean, five was way different. Yes. Yeah. So, that's where I'm thinking, like, he's got a pretty large budget. Is it going to to pay off like is enough people going to be attracted to this weird whale space game with babies personally like it's kojima i think like everybody's gonna play it because like everybody's gonna be talking about it it's gonna be the cool thing to do to play that game 
and that's just how the world works whatever everybody's doing that's that, i mean that, that that's true but all the game like video game people who are like connected to games on a like a oh you're like talking they pay about, attention to like media like they'll, they'll pick it up and play it but do like you're talking about like the call of duty people or like call of duty people or like Fortnite people like people who just like play you know the games games as a yeah. service sort of thing like i don't know if that's going to be appealing to them yeah you might be right do people still play call of duty I don't think it's as popular. I, I, they do, but it's not like I think that that um, characterization kind of falls flat these days because I think everybody's now playing Fortnite. Like I think that everybody who is playing Call of Duty has now moved on to something else. I'm I'm out of touch, man. Welcome to being old. Spent too much time making one game and then I forgot, <laughs> got lost. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is what people do now. It's it's a changing industry. It's very quick. Huh. Well, we discussed a lot of things. Man, did we ever. I mean, you could even break this up into two episodes. I was actually thinking about doing that. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, this was good. We covered a lot of ground. Hopefully, by the next time we do this, we're not going to have to cover as much ground. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that is the advantage of doing it monthly. It's less to cover. Yep. But this was sort of like, at least for me, it was like a different time period, like a a lot of different stuff happened. Yeah, a little catharsis, a little uh, like figuring stuff out. And, and it's good, too, that um, I mean, at least I know what you're doing. Even the, a lot of this was I haven't talked to you in so long. It's like, I don't even know. Yeah, I mean, I'm, mostly just, I'm also just like talking to you and seeing what's going on with you. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> hopefully other people are interested, too. I'm like yeah, trying to ask you for advice about like the tools for the web app. <laughs> Hey, that stuff is like uh, something that I'm heavily invested in. So I'm more than willing to talk about yeah. that. Well, it's good to know, like if Blazor doesn't work out, that, that I can use something kind of similar. Yeah, so. there's a lot of stuff that's that's cool and exciting. Uh, there's always something new on the web. So like pick something that really? is decently supported and like like <laughs> yeah. use that and forget yeah. everything else. Forget just, the trends. Yeah, I just want it, want to use C Sharp. So. Yep. Me too. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's like really become a really mature. I mean, it's been mature for a long time, but like now I feel like it's really excelling, like with all the new features it's been getting. Like, I feel like it's going above and beyond and becoming like a really like a pleasurable experience to use. And the fact that it's it's open source now with .NET Core, like it's it's ticked all the boxes. Like before I was like, I'll use .NET or I'll do use C Sharp at work. But at home, if I want to use like a, a Linux VM or something, I have to use like Java or something that is is more but now it doesn't matter i can use it anywhere yeah it's like great if, and if they get the blazer with the web assembly working it's like you can even use it for web web apps and they yeah and it will it's it's great like i'm i'm excited about it it's a very vibrant community i think more people are adopting it especially with unity now too you can a lot of game developers are starting to pick it up well, i mean <laughs> unity's been out for a while <laughs> that's not it a... oh i know but like more people like that are trying their hands at game dev for the first time pick up unity and then the default language is c sharp yeah. Yeah, and I saw, sometimes I'll see a comment like on a video or something, you know, as I'm researching and they'll say like, I started C Sharp because of Unity, but like now I'm using it in like non-game apps and that's kind of what Absolutely. I'm doing too. So Yeah, it's a great language. So if you guys are looking, because you got want to program, you're looking to pick up a language, like I, two thumbs up for C Sharp, for, for real. Yeah, and it's still, like they're still adding stuff to it. Like it's getting better all the time. It's really Absolutely. cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that that's probably a podcast. It is. Yeah, Definitely. so I hope I hope you've enjoyed this uh, sort of different take on stuff um, and some maybe insight into things that aren't game dev but are definitely interested and related more than you'd think. Yeah, and well, I guess we haven't gotten that much feedback on the podcast yet. 
Although we did have an iTunes review. Did you see that? No. What did they say? Was it good? Uh, I don't know what they said, but it was five stars. So who cares? No, just Heck kidding. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Uh, like and rate our podcast um, and tell us what you'd like to hear more of. I, di- I do think that the next episode is going to be more focused on game development like the first two were. Um, I have some things that I'm working on, actually, that maybe we can talk more if I make some progress on. Ooh, uh, next well, that time. sounds interesting. Yeah, uh, it's very in, in, in its infancy right now, so that's why I haven't really mentioned it. But Is it a game engine? It's a game engine. Ah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Knew it. Yeah, but I mean, I've been wanting to do that for a while. But as I go forward, I'll have more to talk about and what I've learned uh, doing it. Cool, If yeah. I get more time for it. I, I mean, my time is so split in a million different ways. So I'd like to spend some time doing it. Yeah, I mean, we probably all will... <laughs> I can't talk. <laughs> probably will always be like a general technical podcast, but we will we'll try to keep the focus on game development as Absolutely. much as possible. And, and about video games in general, because that is uh, something yeah. I think we both really enjoy and um it has always been like a part of our lives yeah like even when i used to do movies i was always like i wish i was doing something with games too right and then at work i'm always like oh this is like game i'm always trying to figure out like projects that are like that like scrape the edge of like game development yeah and now i'm doing like the opposite (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly uh but yeah i had fun i hope uh leave us a review uh check it out tell a friend and uh we'll see you next time on the exploding rabbit podcast Cool. Yep. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you next time.